0: Born December 14th, 1948, she has been acting in TV and movies since the 1970s. Uh, She was in E.T., Cujo, Critters, even Rob Zombie's Halloween. She is every horror fan's favorite movie mom, uh, but her most important credit would have to be when she was in Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Yes, Dee Wallace on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast.
1: (laughs) Attack
2: of the Killer Podcast! Attack of the Killer Podcast!
0: Attack of the Killer Podcast! Attack of the Killer Podcast! That's time the show! Yay! Hello and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, the host with the most. Most what? You know. Oh. God. Insane Mike. And this, e- yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> he knows, and and, and and that wasn't a fat joke. That was a, I just realized it made me sound like an asshole. Was supposed to be a dick joke. Anyway, <laughs> uh,
0: how's that foot taste? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in this episode, we are going to be talking about the films of D. Wallace, one of our favorite ladies in horror, with two hundred and thirty-seven credits. So she's done a heck of a lot of stuff, uh, way more than just horror films. Um, but it's the the ones that she's done in the horror world that's really kind of stuck with horror fans. It's kind of made her a horror icon. So, um, so a few things right off the bat. Uh, if you like our show, there is plenty more Attack of the Killer podcast goodness to have. That's right. We have a Patreon, and if you become a supporter, you will get tons of extra amazing content. Literal tons. Tons. Metric tons. Metric tons. Uh, including bonus episodes, special videos, music from the show, and my favorite, in St. Mike's One Minute Top Ten list. Uh, you can get these extra goodies and way, way more by going to patreon.com backslash a O T K P. Really slowed her down that time. I'm really. I feel like I have to. Yeah, It's out of control. It is. So we got uh, got some amazing news here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Uh, we have launched our very own podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Mm. Uh, the network is home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. Featuring many shows, including, well, Attack of the Killer podcast. Um, my other show, Midnight Snacks. And those who listen to Midnight Snacks, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what has been over a year, and I've done two episodes. Woo! It's, uh, it's quality, not quantity. That's right. Uh, what other shows are on there? Oh, yeah, Land of the Creeps, All About Movies, and Story by dot 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 podcast. I'm assuming that's how you have to say You're it. supposed to say the dots, I think. Okay. better check on that. Uh, the shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions in movies and other forms of entertainment media. Uh, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. And you can check out the network at T-H-E-P-F-N... Wait, I, I have it written down. I still screwed it up. <laughs> the PFPN the pfpn which is spelled (laughs) t-h-e-p-f-p-n dot com c-o-m so yeah check it out check it out it's pretty exciting have our own network after this after being how many years to the show in our seventh year seventh year we've been on a couple different podcast networks now and and you know they kind of fell apart so we're just like you know hey screw it we'll just do our own you know
4: like most things we do yeah yeah
0: pretty much so now if this is your first time listening to our show i will explain what we are all about attack of the killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss films within a certain topic it is an open and free discussion um between friends so there's probably going to be spoilers so just giving you a heads up there but now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, my jokes! Uh, oh yeah, and the introduction of the podcast group. He drools as much as a St. Bernard with rabies and is just as hairy. Brian Clark, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone. <laughs> I couldn't think of <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> She's kind of like our mom on the podcast only with not as much spanking. Terry Turford, everybody.
1: <laughs> but still a little. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and lastly, he was also terrorized by vicious balls covered in hair. But enough about his time in prison. Jason Bollinger. <laughs> oh. I can't talk about it. What's up, everybody?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so... We're going to turn it over to Brian. Tad's not here, unfortunately. Um, Tad is really, really busy with the uh, Sneak Alley um, Festival
4: of Film, which is going on right now. As we speak. As we speak. Get on down to Burlington.
3: Buried under a pile of film cans, he you couldn't know make it tonight. They're still trying to uh, rescue. Crews who are working around the clock, <laughs>
4: and he keeps saying, "Leave me here."
3: I
0: don't know what that's about. <laughs> so we're going to turn over. Okay. O- we're going to turn over his segment over to Brian this week.
3: So uh, we're gonna find out what everybody's been watching. In the shadows. Right. Okay, never mind. No, right, no one I like that. Anyway, <laughs> nobody pays attention to me, and for good reason. Terry, what did you watch?
1: I finally watched Deadpool tool, Two. Deadpool Tool. What? Um, nice... I guess it's not. It's sort of. I mean, it's, it's got gory. violence. So there's it's that. Gory. Yeah. And it's awesome.
0: Oh, it's so fucking funny. I think it's funnier than the first one. Yeah, I agree.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I'd have to rewatch. I've just rewatched the first one so much that maybe after I've rewatched this one several times, I'll like the jokes more. I mean, I still loved it. Obviously, it's just yeah. I, I. don't know. I think I like the first one better as of right now.
0: I'm telling you though, like <laughs> it has not hurt. It has not hurt that bad I, in a long time with me trying to catch my breath while laughing. I thought we were laughing. going to like, lose you. I thought I was going down. I thought you were going to have to call 911. And that scene, <laughs> after he loses legs. the bottom half of his body, and he's, <laughs> and, and he you grows see? those baby legs, the whole freaking scene just doesn't stop. It, doesn't it won't stop. let me catch a breath.
4: <laughs> you were turning colors. You were falling down. It was awesome.
0: It hurt. It hurt good, but it hurt. When he crosses his legs slowly, I'm just like, "Oh my gosh. Oh I God.
1: think, I think one of my favorite parts is just the. Um, it's actually in the soundtrack. The oh, um, <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil if people haven't seen it, but there's a a fight scene later on in the movie, and there's like this, like choral style, like. DA's E. sort of song and they're just singing oh holy balls, oh holy shitballs uh-huh. yeah. it's the best
0: <laughs> yeah it, well in, in the movie like I wasn't quite sure if I was hearing what I was hearing because there's like so much loud action going on over top yeah. of it and so they replay it in the credits and I'm like that is what I thought
3: I heard that is funny
1: <laughs> yeah it was awesome oh
0: uh.
3: Okay. um, that it for that one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mike, what did you watch?
0: Well, I had not had a heck of a lot of chance to watch too much lately, um, but I did get to check out um, that documentary. Finally, finally got to see that documentary about Dick Miller called That Guy Dick Miller. Oh, it's awesome. So it is good. awesome. Oh, man, that guy is such a character and he's just still so, you know, he's getting to be an old man, but he's just still so sharp-witted and Oh, but it, it's an amazing doc, very informative, you know, like, and I've seen, I thought I've seen, like, everything I needed to see about Roger Corman, like, I saw, you know, I've got uh, the, his documentary, Machene um, Maidens talks a lot about about uh, Roger Corman, but there's still even more that I learned from uh, this uh, that guy, Dick Miller, um, and just, yeah, just, you know, like it really just cemented for me on why I love this guy and why everybody loves this guy. I mean, he's just always in these small parts, but he does steal the show every single time. And for the longest time, it's like, oh, that's just Dick Miller. That's cool. That's awesome. But like, it really is in his performances. Like he puts he puts a lot into these just little tiny throwaway characters that you know. I think somebody in the documentary even said that. uh you know, when the camera cuts to the next scene, you know there's still some. You know, there, you know he's still um, in that bookstore. Um, you know, selling occult books, and there's a whole other story going on there. So, uh, it's a great doc. Um, I would
3: highly recommend checking it out. That fucking story about the monkey. Oh. <laughs> Just about <laughs> killed <me.
0: laughs> Oh God, yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was yeah.
3: Yeah. If anyone's got some stories, it's it's him, oh, man. That was great.
0: That would be just uh, that just be great. Just to, I mean, and that that probably would have been just as good of a documentary if he just sat there and just told
3: stories the whole time. Oh, yeah. absolutely! I I would kill to have breakfast at that diner.
4: Yep. Oh, with him oh and all yeah. All those other guys. Uh. I just love watching right. him and his wife bicker, <laughs> but lovingly, and you know,
3: super cute little dog.
4: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yep.
3: Okay. Good? Yeah, I'm good. Hey, Jason. What? Hey. What? What did you watch?
4: Well, I, too, just watched that guy Dick Miller this weekend, and that was freaking awesome. I also got caught up, and uh, Tina and I finally watched Coco. Balled my fucking eyes out like a maniac. Jesus, it's so good. Didn't expect it to be so good. That is my
3: favorite Pixar movie
4: now. Oh, my God, it's so good. So... Everybody watch that. I, uh, I watched... We watched The Cured. It's a... Uh, son of a dick. What's a... Uh, Juno. What's her name? She's... Oh, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. She's in it. It's one that we really, really tried to watch when we were at uh, Panic Fest and we didn't get to. It's Oh, yeah. So it's about... It's about... Zombie Outbreak. It's right after a zombie outbreak... They find a cure right away, and they start they start to cure like and this kind of happens in England and so they they find a cure and so twenty five percent of the people who give the cure to aren't being cured, so they're still trying to figure that out and then of all the people who are cured, they re-enter society and so everyone's like uh well one you know it's like do I trust you two? Uh, they're not like uh, convicted of of murder, but yet because they were not themselves, so no one was convicted of murder. So, but everyone else is like, you know, you you killed my family or you killed you know like so there's yeah. like this is really fucking cool. It's a neat uh and. A neat. I hate to spin on on the zombie yeah, story. Take. Yeah, yeah, it's a part part of the story that we haven't really thought of, or and it was pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Sweet. And then I uh, got to go see *Hereditary*. Oh yeah! And holy fuck! It was amazing. It was so good. Like, I mean, like, i, I read later other people tell them the same kind of story, but. When shit, it, it's like the slowest build movie. It's such a slow burn. It's just like this constant ramping up. But like something crazy happens early, and I just, I just remember like sitting there for minutes on end with my mouth fucking open, and like I, I don't know if I can breathe. You know, it's just like, and
0: it doesn't let up. And oh fuck, it's so good. I gotta ask you a question about that because. I came home and asked you how it was, and and you were telling me that. You you didn't think you were going to sleep that night. No, I was going to have nightmares. Jesus Christ. But you seemed to have a mood about you, and I don't know if that was... Was was that because of the movie? Yeah, fuck yeah. It's unsettling. Well, not to make this comparison, really, because I'm pretty sure it wasn't the exact same mood, but you had that look on your face that I'm pretty sure I had after I watched um, Martyrs for the first time. I wondered... That, like, life-changing... Like this movie affected me emotionally, it, whether it be, you know, how it affected me with martyrs, or in this case, it uh-huh. affected you on a scary level. level.
4: Yeah, yeah, it 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 hit deep. Interesting, because I you know I just went by myself, and there weren't a lot of people in the theater, so I just really got to soak it in and like really just be in it completely. <clears throat> and oh fuck, there's some scary shit. It's such a slow burn with such a uh amazing build and tony collette is just like she deserves oscar talk for a horror movie it's she, i know she'll never get it but never she is never. incredible in this movie and everyone else is and it just blew my fucking mind and, like i think i could go see it again where unlike martyrs i don't i don't know if you'd want to watch it again
0: i mean, I mean but many like, times i've like th- thought almost, about it almost put it in like <laughs> I need I need to watch it again but I'm scared. I'm like terrified to watch it again. And and it's not with Martyrs, it's not that it's like I'm terrified because the movie's so scary. It's a completely different reaction what you had with with this movie. So
4: yeah, I have only good things to say. It was, it, it fucking rocked my socks off. Like it was nightmare stuff for sure. It was sweet. Yeah, I had a, it, <laughs> for real hard time breathing hard time shutting my mouth you're just like oh, what? what is this happening oh fuck oh fuck mm. anyway that's
3: what i watched so i'm not sure if i'm ever going to be able to sleep again after hearing mike say you don't know how many times i almost put it in
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um <coughs> especially oh, with that at me <laughs> yeah, I actually need to see Martyrs again too. I only saw it once, right when it first came out on video, and it did not do to me what it seems to have done to everybody else. So I clearly need to watch that movie again.
0: Well, and I don't uh, even know either if,
3: that or I'm just awful. <laughs> well, most I don't even know if, like, person. if yeah. my
0: reaction still is on the same level of how I've heard other people's reaction was to it. Like, there's just there's something, there's like, there's two movies that have really, I feel like, emotionally messed me up. It's that one, and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, won't watch that again either. Yeah.
3: That that one also didn't do anything for me, so I don't know. (laughs) Not that Martyrs didn't do anything for me, I just remember, I guess it was like right at the tail end of all those extreme French horror movies were coming out all at the same time. So it feels like I watched like five of them in like a month oh i get and it that was the last one it's like oh okay it's another one of these things but yeah. but i want to see it again because I, I feel like i've missed something
0: yeah i don't know i just yeah um again i just think it has a i don't know it just has a lot to do with like i just got really well for well the first trigger for me more than anything else like i was really into the movie and really into these these two girls and then when when like we're only left with the one girl who's a complete innocent in this whole thing and that moment when she's in the basement and there's just never a moment of relief for this woman and and kudos to her acting cuz i felt like watching this movie i could pinpoint the exact breaking point of her in that movie like this is when she lost herself and her 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 humanity was gone I could just see it in her face and uh so kudos to her as an actress or or however you know whatever whoever gets the chops for that but uh <clears throat> that's that's the that was kind of the first thing because even at that so even at that point I'm like if, she is, if, if there's a happy ending in this movie where she escapes, it's not a happy ending. This woman is not the same person anymore. And there's no coming back from it. There's no coming back from it. But then it just keeps getting worse. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of, that was, yeah. Anyway, that's my takeaway. I know we're not talking about martyrs,
3: but we're talking about martyrs.
0: <laughs> hey, what'd you okay. watch, Brian?
3: Uh, well, you stole mine. I also saw Hereditary. Oh, yeah. uh, the kids and I saw it last weekend.
4: Oh, those poor kids.
3: No, no, they loved uh, it. No. Phoenix said it was the scariest thing you'd seen in a long time. Yeah. Awesome. And, like, usually when we're, we walk out of a theater, you know, we're all saying, what was your favorite part? What did you like the most? What? And it, we were just kind of silent. Yeah. Um, we talked wow. about it, you know, later. But it was, I've had a lucky stretch of good viewing experiences lately, where it seems like everyone else is very much the opposite. In fact, some friends of mine from B-Fest, I have a podcast called The Atomic Weight of Cheese and they just recently did an episode on all of the terrible theater experiences they have had recently. Uh, But, you know, going to see It was was a lot of fun and, I mean, even The Incredibles 2 was a completely packed theater but, and there were, you know, a couple little kids crying stuff, but it's a kids movie you make allowances for that kind of stuff when you see a kids movie. Um, But with Hereditary it was interesting. We went and it was a bright, sunny, hot day. (laughs) Went in Sat down, and about ten minutes into the movie, we started hearing thunder and rain hitting the theater. That nice. You could hear over the movie and over, Whoa. so it was just this, you know, pervasive atmosphere. Like you can hear a storm, and I, I leaned over <laughs> to Phoenix and said, "Do you hear that storm in the background?" He goes, "Yeah." I said that isn't the movie. And he just turned and looked at me like, oh, shit, really? (laughs) And about 20 minutes in or so, the screen froze. Um, Uh Right at the part where that weird blue light flashes around the little girl's room, the screen Uh just froze and stopped. Uh So everyone just kind of sat there for a minute. And one of the people in the theater finally got up and walked out to, you know, I was like, hey, go fix the projector. And then somebody from the theater came back in and said... um, we're sorry, we've paused all of the movies. There's a really bad storm outside. There are tornadoes touching down outside of town. And so we've paused the movies for people to come out in the lobby if you need to call someone to you know decide if you want to leave or just to watch what's going on. So typical Iowa fashion. Cool. The entire theater is on pause, so everyone can go out into the lobby and watch
4: <laughs> the storm. Oh, my gosh. That's Iowa. <laughs>
3: And then back into the theater again. And then because the wind was whipping, the power lines back and forth. It kept cutting the the power of the theater out. So shut the movie off, and they'd have to restart it. Shut the movie off, and they'd have to restart it. And then when we left, you know, the sun was shining again, and it was just that you know eerie calm after the storm feeling. But there was like water over the road in places. Um, It was just complete insanity. You know, huge tree branches down. Everywhere in town, you know, power out in places. It was nuts. So it was kind of a cool, very much added to the experience of this (laughs) weird, like, apocalyptic storm (laughs) coming through while we were watching this extremely scary (laughs) movie. A couple of places, like, uh, the the end hewed a little close to Rosemary's Baby, but I don't think that hurts it because that's a great ending. It just, it's going to draw comparisons.
1: No spoilers.
3: That was that. Ugh. It doesn't exactly spoil it, though. That's that's not. Yeah, it's not the same ending. It's,
4: it's just every end. every scene just fucking grabs you and it won't let go. You know, it's just. Okay, I'm done. Oh, yeah, sorry.
3: <laughs> go see it. See it in the theater. You we'll need stop to. before I ruin anything else.
0: <laughs> I'm Trying to think if I can squeeze that one in this week sometime. Dude, you got to for real. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know, but uh, can't worry about that right now. We got a show to do. We do. So this episode, we are talking about the actress Dee Wallace, and man, she's got a lot of credits. Uh, but how we do the show is that uh, we kind of pick a few, a few t- uh, films. To we're not to going discuss. through all two hundred and
4: eighties. No.
0: Oh, okay. Not like the old days when, when we, we would do like a directors. Yeah. You know, we do. <laughs> You know, so, you know, we're getting old, so we gotta, we got to <laughs> kind of limit it. We don't have time to watch 237 movies. So so we kind of narrowed it down to three, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of, um, lot of discussion on the latter half of the show of, uh, you know, shout-outs to particular yeah. um, films, uh, honorable mentions and stuff. So Because she does have just an amazing body of work. Um, but the, <clears throat> the three films I chose, um, I... I are three one three of probably my my personal favorites of that have d wallace in them and i kind of picked them for various reasons uh for example starting us off with um with frighteners i figure um uh i put frighteners on the list because i've never seen her do a bad guy role before and so um that's why i put that one on the list that and it's like peter jackson and and I just, I really, really love this movie, but, uh, yeah, Frighteners, um, uh, like, like I said, it's directed by Peter Jackson, stars Michael J. Fox, um, it's got a lot of people in it, and another reason why I really love this movie is that it's got John Aston in it as the, as the ghost of the judge, and, well, he steals the show for me, um, he's got such a great, great part in this movie, but, he steals the show for me because it's John Aston. There there is never a John Aston performance ever that I do not love. And I will watch anything if it's got John Aston in it. You know, if they do another 50 Shades of Grey and John Aston, you know, plays like a barista at a coffee shop He'll for like 30 it. seconds, I will go opening night It's because it's got John Aston. <laughs> but you know i mean just uh, even from the start with gomez adams i i just have always loved this man and um and you know fortunately he hasn't done anything like 50 shades of gray he's done a lot of stuff that really goes into my wheelhouse anyway like the the killer tomato sequels um um oh i i even prefer him as the riddler over frank gorshin but that's that's just me. Bold, I know it also, is bold.
3: Not only was he in some uh, episodes of um, Night Gallery, he also directed. Really, horror stuff. Yeah, so oh, he, nice. He's very, very much in in the uh, genre world. Yeah, and that is
0: awesome. And like, uh, there was Teen even a, too. There was even a Mad About You episode that had him in it, and it was like my favorite episode <laughs> of the show. Anyway. Um, Anyway, I'm really straying. So, Frighteners, uh, basically, Michael J. Fox is this guy. uh, He had this really bad car accident, and his wife um, was sort of killed in the car accident, but not really because of the car accident. We can get into that later. But uh, because of this traumatic experience, it, it gave Michael J. Fox the ability to see spirits and communicate with them. And so he uses this ability to become his own... Um, paranormal private investigator where he goes to people's houses slash and con man yep. and very much con man because <laughs> what what we uh what we find out right away is that he's teamed up with a few ghosts that uh live with him in his dilapidated house um and he uses those ghosts to go in ahead of time and tear shit up in the houses so that they so these people have to call frank um to cleanse the house but then there's this mysterious grim reaper character showing up all over town that is reaching into people's chests and squeezing their hearts till they die <clears throat> and uh and all these mysterious deaths no one can figure out what's going on but michael j fox sees it's the Grim reaper character and so he's trying to stop this character to the point where he ends up getting accused of these of these deaths and so it just turns into this big, uh, big adventure movie of Michael J. Fox trying to take down what we think is first as the Grim Reaper. But uh, how's that for snaps? It's good. It's a heck of a story. Yeah, And that's why I like it, and that's why I also think it bombed, not because I liked it, <laughs> but um, maybe, but like well, maybe, but it, because it is such a convoluted story. There's just a lot of elements to the story, and it's kind of an out-there premise, too. I feel like the movie was way ahead of its time, personally. So, But uh, thoughts on Frighteners? It's awesome. That's a good thought. <laughs> <laughs> I concur with that thought.
1: <laughs> I think, as far as Dee Wallace goes in this movie, it's one of my favorite roles of hers, just because... She's, I mean, we all love her as a horror mom, but Mm -hmm. she definitely gets typecast into that a lot. And this is just so out of the norm of what you usually see her doing. And she does such a good job as the, you know, mousy, um, eventually found, (laughs) eventually, the accomplice, whatever. Yeah. We think she deceives us as being just a, a timid, old, young girl. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> you know, like, the because well, she's still living with her mom, and it's super awkward and weird.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's still kind of childlike, in, exactly, at least in the first yeah. half of the film. because Yeah, because she still lives with her mother, and she was, you know... Uh, uh, like a long time ago when she was a teenager she got she got caught up in this love relationship with this serial killer um and would help him with his with his kills and um uh but uh when you meet her and you meet the mom you feel like this mom is crazy and she's way overbearing and like uh and uh poor d wallace is getting totally abused great misdirection oh and i i wonder too if like she was casted that way because we all because we all Uh see her as you know everybody's favorite movie mom you know and so like the fact that there is a there is a a big twist in this in her character that uh i wonder if that's partially why she was casted i'm sure yeah
1: throw us off a bit
0: more Exactly, exactly. But she was good on both on both levels when she was yeah, like exactly. the mousy abused girl, and then when she was the psychopath, you know, she she owned it. It was awesome. Yeah, for
3: sure. I remember this came out around the time I was regularly getting Fangoria from my local comic book shop. So of course they did all kinds of stuff on this, and uh, I didn't realize at the time that it was important because it was the first Hollywood movie of a certain crazy New Zealander who made ridiculous gore movies. Yeah. Uh, But I would discover those movies a couple of years later. But, yeah, I remember seeing all the effects of the, you know, showing the makeup of the ghosts that then, you know, got overlaid with all the weird uh, digital effects to to make them look ghostly and all that. Arlie Army fucking rocks every scene that he's in. I love him. (laughs) And I was bummed that he went out so, like, I was expecting him to really kick the Grim Reaper's ass a little bit before that happened, but
0: Yeah, yeah that is a bummer cuz you you want that. And you never really get that in any movie that he's in really. You want that moment cuz you you know, he's such a he is such a badass guy and you want that moment where he just like just totally takes charge and kicks the shit out of somebody, but uh, yeah, he gets dispersed pretty pretty abruptly in this. So
3: but uh, and I love is even though this was like real early days for digital effects being like really heavily used anyway, I mean, it's, you know, digital effects go back to the early '80s, but as far as like creating an entire character with CGI, yeah, that had only been a couple, of, you know, around for two, three years at this point. Uh, but as as primitive as it is, I think the Grim Reaper looks fantastic. Like it's clearly digital, but for some reason it works. That swooping. I don't know, just the way it moves and everything. Yeah. It's really cool.
0: I think probably it works so well because one of the, a lot of the complaints about CGI is that it doesn't feel like it's natural in the environment. And yeah. this doesn't have to look natural in the environment because it's a ghost. Right. The only part I had problems with the uh, the Grim Reaper character is when he's like possessing the the carpet and the painting. Yeah. Like that's then it, then that's looks when the Yeah, that's yeah. when the CGI really shows its age, yeah. I was going to say that there's
1: that scene where Michael J. Fox is a ghost and he's fighting him and he, like, turns into, like, ectoplasm goop. Oh, yeah. And then, like, that scene, the CGI, when he's, like, coming back or they're fighting and he's goopy was really bad for me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I agree with you. When they're in that bottom of the crypt and he's kind of like this, like, blob but in a person shape kind of blob.
1: Did not hold up very well. Yeah,
0: that didn't... Up until that point, everything looked good. When he kind of yeah. splattered, and when Michael J. Fox took the face, which looked like yeah. the face of the Necronomicon, and he's like <laughs> slapping it against a grave, I thought that looked cool. But yeah, when yeah. he was when he was the uh, the black tar the black tar you know person in the bottom of the crypt, that
3: did look pretty bad too. Yeah. I also love when the Grim Reaper pulls his scythe out. It's like it's just the staff part. And he bangs it on the ground, and the blade pops out. I mean, it, there's absolutely no practical reason it should work like that. But God, <laughs> does it look cool!
0: <laughs> I wonder, after watching it this this last time for the show, because I've seen it many, many times. I wonder if um if there's more story behind that that scythe because once once um, Jake Busey uh loses the scythe and michael j fox tries to use it on him and he doesn't have that scythe anymore he never dons the grim reaper persona at at any point and he actually doesn't seem as powerful anymore once he loses that scythe because yeah he's like he just he's when he when he's the grim reaper character he's just like mowing down everybody especially ghosts yeah but then in the third act, you know, it, it feels like there that uh, Michael J. Fox is fighting somebody more on a human level, even though I mean he's a ghost, but it doesn't have all these extra supernatural powers. That he yeah, did I wondered that.
1: Yeah, I wondered that this time when I watched through as well, because I definitely that change stood out to me a lot. Like when he switches to Jake Busey form as opposed to. <laughs> Um, (laughs) grim reaper for him because i guess maybe it was just he he powered him down a bit in the in the fight they had i guess i don't know i wondered why there was such a stark change there because it was really evident this time when i watched it for some reason
0: yeah you got a good point there too it may it may just been the beat down that michael j fox gave him that wore him down
2: and then down, there's maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, and there's the whole thing with the urn too. So like, right. like, Once they have possession of the urn, I would assume Jake Busey's kind of a lot more vulnerable as well. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought maybe there was something. There's there's like some unwritten storyline about this scythe and the supernatural in this universe's supernatural world.
1: Right. Because right now it just kind of seems like, oh well they've revealed who he is so he doesn't have to be in a big cloak looking thing anymore yeah is kind of what it seems like but it feels like there's more to it i well, don't know yeah
0: well and that's what you accept it on that, like well, at least for me anyway the first hundred times sure. watching it but uh this last time paying a little bit more attention it just kind of dawned on me i was like yeah why why is he not the grim reaper why is he not as strong as he was before so yeah yeah
4: for me this movie's all about jeffrey combs
0: Oh, yeah. She's How so great. fucking yeah. great is he? Yeah, I think I overspoke about John Aston. Love him. <laughs> but Jeffrey Combs is oh my the, gosh. the scene stealer of this movie, oh, by far. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's crazy, but so good. It, and I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. Like, you know, the horror community can hate me, but this is Jeffrey Combs' best performance. Forget yeah, Herbert West. It might be better. I, I, I love him in this
4: it's movie. So over the top. So. Out of ten always.
1: It it takes some chops to to do that character. Not that he didn't have chops to do Herbert West too, but this one's just so over the top and he's constantly on it. Yeah,
4: he doesn't even have nipples in this one and he's still that much better.
3: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well yeah. I'm 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 with you there, Mike. I do think this is his best performance. Herbert West is a better character sure. yeah. like sure, a yeah. better role yeah like yeah. just you know that's the iconic one you're not going to get a series of of uh, you know neurotic snm freak fbi agent guy, maybe we should have that
0: <laughs>
1: yeah but, but yeah acting but yeah. wise for sure
0: because mm-hmm. it's it, yeah it's and it's always for me some of my favorite performances for many actors in the physical aspect of it and just with his eyes darting back and forth all the time and just like how he you just get the sense that he is uncomfortable in in his own skin he's uncomfortable in any environment he's in throughout every scene he's in
4: (laughs) it takes half a percent of confrontation for him to rip his clothes off to show his breastplate like it half a percent of confrontation he's like oh
1: Oh, but I oh just my love god. that he like, so He almost throws up every time she raises oh. her voice. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. He doesn't like women yelling. Oh.
0: <laughs> my favorite oh. moment, my favorite, my personal favorite moment of his, you know, because uh, cuz I know a lot of conspiracy theory people. Um who when he's like talking, when he's telling the the backstory, giving us the exposition on Frank Bannister and the death of his wife, and he just loses himself in numbers. It's like oh. June third, yeah. seven, seven blades, yeah. seven, seven, third, <laughs> seven. That, that little moment <laughs> right there is like my favorite. But he's just like just playing, trying to put the puzzle together through numbers. So good. Yeah. There should be a spinoff. His character is a spinoff, yeah. That would be good.
1: Was this... Um, was this movie made after Michael J. Fox had it announced about his Parkinson's?
4: It's hard not to look for it. Yeah.
1: I know. But um, I feel like a lot of the way that the character is played, like it almost seemed like it could have played into yeah. the shades a bit, you know? But I wasn't sure... If it had been formally announced,
0: yeah,
4: I, 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 or
1: not.
0: I thought oh, he I could
4: kind of tell. Yeah. I don't know either. I yeah.
1: could too. Yeah, he could kind of
4: tell he was only doing things with one hand at a time, and
1: yeah, kind
4: of keep one put away, and
1: it made me a little sad. Yeah. while I was watching it. Yeah, for sure. But, um, still, still, a lot. But of fi- I mean, played of it off s- well. I mean, he oh, yeah. just made it part of his character. I think, but it, which he does with all the stuff he's been doing. But it,
3: yeah kind of kind of covers it with some like nervous energy like the way yeah. he's kind of, especially when he's you know doing his little pretend ghost hunting thing like he's just always moving he's running back and forth across the room or looking under stuff or picking things up just kind of always channeling that energy energy
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah what else? what else?
4: I'll be honest. I when I did well, I do love this movie and it's so good for so many reasons. But this last watch this weekend, I, I I did have a lot harder time with the effects. Not so much just the ghosts as ghosts, but it but all the ghosts uh, hijinks were so cartoony. Like it was. Just endless amounts of cartoony, you know, getting stretched out or stuck in a door, oh, yeah. or flipping, or now you're flat, and now you're, it's just like gag after gag. I'm like, come on. You thought it was too much? I thought it was too much. Uh, I, I love the ghost of- as the ghost. It's just like, oh, there was so much cartoony stuff
0: with the ghost. I, I, that didn't bother, that still doesn't bother me, but at the same time, though, too, you and I—I I don't know um, Brian and Terry if you watched the director's cut, but uh, but Jason and I watched the director's cut. Yeah. And I can't remember if I've seen the director's cut or not before. Like I have the DVD, and I can't remember if that's the same cut or not. But I saw this movie a lot when it first came out on video, and I can—and even watching it this last time as the director's cut, I and not seeing it for a long time before this, I still instantly could tell you exactly which moments were were um not in the original cut. And one of those is one of those well actually there's a few of those. You know there's more of those gags in the director's I cut. I wondered that. One of those in particular when um right off the bat, right off the bat that, that scene when when it establishes uh Frank Bannister's house and the ghosts and his relationship with the ghosts and and basically uh um frank Bannister's motive for what he does and all this stuff all that set up in those scenes at the house um right there at the beginning um i swear it's got to be at least three times longer than it was in the original cut so i think most of the stuff that was cut had to have been cut for timing and pacing but one of those like when Stu when Stuart gets stuck in the door and um and uh, cyrus uh pulls him through the door and he, like, stretches out. That's not in the original cut. I wondered. The only thing you see of that originally is just, um... um. I just said his name and I forgot. Stewart getting caught in in the door. And that's all you see of that. And I couldn't tell... I
4: hadn't seen this movie in so long. I had no idea where the added stuff was. So, it was brand new to me. It all seemed it's just i couldn't tell
0: shockingly there's a lot of ghost stuff which just I makes me 10 feel to bad of like, of stuff. at least but it's spread out that's yeah. the thing it's not like we're getting like one big scene of something it's 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 just chunks of scenes throughout the whole movie and uh you know and it, it, it kind of saddened me a little bit that some of it was the ghost stuff because i just feel like well that's kind of some money wasted you know because it was i mean it was fully produced it wasn't like we were seeing raw materials spliced into uh, the original cut. So, did you guys watch the director's cut?
1: I'm not sure, but I, I don't feel like I did.
3: Okay. And, yes, because I've got the Blu-ray that's got the director's on it. I haven't seen the theatrical version probably since the late 90s. <laughs> so, like Jason, I could not tell you what was different about it, because I've... More used to seeing the director's cut on the Blu-ray, um, and I didn't. I was going to listen to the commentary track too, but I didn't. I ran out of time. But uh, I, you know, to, to what Jason was saying about like the gags got a bit much, and that you know it was all fully produced. I'm sure that because it obviously wasn't cut for content. There's not really anything in this movie that be like, oh my god, we can't show this in theaters; it'll be X-rated. Yeah. Um, it was probably just like, test audiences said the same thing Jason said. Like, maybe it's a bit too slapsticky and just kind of slows the pacing down a little bit. Because we all know Peter Jackson has a problem with editing his movies.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and this could very well have been the beginning of that uh, problem. I found a site. Because I, I, yeah, go ahead. His, his sensibility is obviously very cartoonish yeah. and loony toony from his old stuff. So yep. it was just, you know, the studio gave me like five times the budget I'm used to working with. And I have all this new digital stuff that I can just do any goofy ass, uh, you know, cartoon thing that I want. Yeah, that, that's probably what happened is it just people thought it was a bit much and the studio made him change it or the producer or somebody
0: well i want to see how long the original script is because i remember a supplemental feature on the dvd uh, was a making of the movie and them talking about special effects that were made for the film that was never shot including and it still bothers me to this day because i want to know how it fits into the story these giant like special effects babies that they made they made these like (laughs) ginormous babies like how does that fit in? Where, where does this babies. go? I don't know. What were you saying <laughs> Maybe, about Maybe.
3: What's that? Maybe the mummy gave birth after the judge oh, was all getting up on her in the museum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what were you saying, Jason,
3: I
4: about was just site? I found a site that had a breakdown. There was 24 cuts, and which totaled around 13 minutes. Oh,
0: that's it? Only 13 minutes? Well, I mean... Yeah. It just felt like there was more. Like I yeah, see I see on the site there, yeah. A- again, it's all just little pieces. Um, not mm-hmm. any big full scenes. Yep. Yeah. It's trimmed. Yeah, we pacing you, issues. Yeah, so it had to all be cut down for time and pacing, yeah. So I feel like a majority of the of the stuff that was cut ended up in that first scene at the house. Those first few scenes at the house at, at and uh um yeah and cutting that stuff down and be like well let's get to the storyline quicker yeah that's another one peter jackson he's scrolling through the website for those who are wondering what i'm pointing at um and yes i was pointing for those who didn't know i was pointing um (laughs) peter jackson himself has a cameo where um michael j fox bumps into a guy wearing a grim reaper t-shirt and uh in the director's cut, Peter Jackson turns around, flips him off, and s- calls him a wanker or something, but he doesn't he doesn't say the line in the original cut, so I apparently watched this have watched this movie way too many times <laughs> to i could like literally pick out all the all the scenes but uh yeah, so I love this movie, and like Brian, you said that uh, you' inter- was this your introduction then to Peter Jackson oh. That's what,
3: that's what it like. Uh, I think... Well, like, the, actually, the Fangoria articles were probably my introduction of Peter Jackson. I'm sure they mentioned his other movies. They, yeah, Fangoria, of course they would. But, yeah, at the time, I don't think I would have seen any of them. That would have come a couple of years later at the high school movie nights when we discovered Dead Alive and Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, a little while after that, then I f- saw Heavenly Creatures. But yeah, I think this actually might have been the first Peter Jackson movie I saw. Because I didn't get to see it in the theater, but I remember getting it. It was like a satellite TV pay-per-view thing.
0: Okay, so, and then maybe that's why I'm such such a hardcore Peter Jackson fan, because I have followed his career. My introduction to Peter Jackson was Gorezone magazine doing an article about bad taste before it came out in the States. And just me... Just bugging my local video stores every day until that movie came out in the States and rented it over and over and over again. So I've been following this career since day one,
3: since Bad Taste. And uh well, c- keep in mind you've got the jump on me. You're <laughs> old, Oh sure.
0: <laughs> You're oh like sure, things. yeah. Well, you know, I'm not bragging much, but uh <laughs> just enough. <laughs> um Uh, But I'm just saying, I think that maybe that's why. Because, like, so when this movie happened, I was, like, so excited. Like, this is a guy who's made, you know, most of his career is movies made in New Zealand. All of his career up to this point. Movies made in New Zealand. Next to no budget whatsoever. All direct to video stuff. And here is a Robert Zumeckis produced theatrical movie with Michael J. Fox, directed by Peter Jackson. I couldn't have been more excited.
3: And this was back at the time when Robert Zemeckis' name still oh. <laughs> made people excited for.
4: Oh, Mike made the pouty I,
3: face. <laughs> I well, still love I mean, Robert Zemeckis.
0: I know all he does now is cartoons, but whatever.
3: Yeah, back in the like what? God, what would have been most recent on people's minds with it before this that he did would probably have been Death Becomes Her.
0: Yeah, which I just watched that again not too long ago. God, I love, awesome. I love that movie. It <laughs> is so crackers crazy, but it's so awesome. Um, and I wonder if that's also, because this wasn't, if I remember right, if my memory serves me, this wasn't a very successful film. And I wonder if that has something to do with it too. It was like, you got Robert Zemeckis's name on it and Michael J. Fox's name on it were people expecting like back to the future with ghosts. Oh yeah, it didn't well, do very good at all.
3: Is doubly funny because okay, he did this and it did, you know, poorly but not I guess badly enough to end his career obviously. Yeah, kind of then. And then he disappears for a while, and then comes back with a blank check to make the biggest fantasy movie <laughs> of ever. Like what the fuck?
0: Yeah, that's what I've. That's what I've always wondered too. Because like this could have ruined his career, but it felt like it was. It was supposed to be this huge stepping stone from New Zealand to America. I just yeah. I wonder what that where that transition lies too. I know he had a relationship with New World for or not. Um, wait, New uh, Line. New Line for a long time because i remember um on that uh on that um nightmare on elm street doc them talking about how peter jackson did a treatment for uh, freddy's dead freddy's dead um so i know he was kind of like doing stuff for for new line there for a while and i don't know i guess maybe that he just you know just got in the right doors to get lord of the rings
3: He's just a very, very convincing salesman. <laughs> oh, I st- Look, I know my last movie lost ten million dollars, <laughs> but if you give me eight hundred million dollars, I'll give you something really cool. I bet he has never got a speeding ticket in his entire life.
4: <laughs> well, I also but he know though too. You New Zealand, you know. Oh, that's true too. That was—I
0: bet that was probably part of the pitch. Well, it had to be. Yeah. It's, you know, making the movies in New Zealand would have saved a ton of money and blah blah
3: but um like i know there's like foreign places to make movies typically have lots of tax breaks and stuff but the pure logistics of getting film (laughs) crew and equipment to new zealand that's got to be fucking expensive
0: but that's the thing though like with new zealand comes the crew because you know he brought on all these people that was that he already knew in new zealand true So, I don't know, maybe. I also wonder, too, like, I feel like he did have some cred because um, Heavenly Creatures um, won an Academy Award for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. And I remember that because that was the year of Pulp Fiction, um, and I still have that uh, that particular year's Academy Awards on videotape. (laughs) So it was totally surreal for me seeing Peter Jackson get up on stage to accept an Academy Award, so... Like this is the guy who made Dead Alive. I just saw a uh,
4: trivia thing that Danny Elfman was such a was so impressed with Heavenly Creatures that he told Peter that he he would do one of his movies in the future, and he ended up saying he'd do this movie without even knowing anything about it.
0: Nice. <laughs> That's how you.
3: He, Heavenly are Creatures is a damn good movie. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is.
0: I need to watch that one again sometime. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh, 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 go ahead. Well, I was just curious what everyone thought of Danny Elfman's score.
1: Very oh, Danny Elfman.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> that lends to making the movie that
1: much yeah. better. And a little, it's a little quirky too. It plays into the ish sometimes uh, of the
4: cinema, cinematography, <laughs> seminat, cinematography. <laughs> The, yeah, its style is very fast and whooshy, and you know, very fun and cartoony. All of it, not just the scenes I complained about, but you know, just watching the car drive around and the, the shots—it's so fast-paced and whooshy. So the score really, really, I think, helps it so much.
0: Had a had a little bit. I felt as far as the cinematography, um, a little That's bit of <laughs> a little bit of Sam early Sam Raimi quality to it. Yep. Um, but not to take that away from Peter Jackson though, because I felt like that was a lot of the stuff he was doing in the early films too, especially his transitions, like yep. his tra- the transitions he did in that movie in his earlier films, um, which, which one of those deleted, m- deleted scenes was affected the original transition, which I thought was weird because the original transition felt more like a Peter Jackson thing. Um, Anyway, but uh, and also I noticed a lot too on how like, Peter Jackson really. Like dresses his sets with p- things for people to do, like when they're escaping the jail and they go outside and they got like two mechanics working on a cop car out back there, and then then they go around a corner and there's a a, a dog peeing on the side of a wall and stuff. I'm just I don't know. Just like, it's like there's something. always something going on in his scenery apparently. So. Yeah.
4: <clears throat> and is it j- just me, and no offense to Jim Fife, but did you pretend that Stewart was just Ted
0: Raimi? I do that <laughs> a lot. I, with <laughs> the movie. I could see that. I, I thought he was still good, though. Oh, yeah, totally. It was just fun to pretend. Pretty good. Yep, good movie. And we haven't even mentioned... Um, uh, another amazing actor in this movie, uh, Troy Evans, the sheriff, that like plays a sheriff and or a in like about every, every movie. Every movie, yeah.
1: Every movie, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm always happy to see him show up. So, so yeah, talked a lot about frighteners and very little about <laughs> D. Wallace. Dee Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that too. <laughs> i don't i just don't know what else to say about her i mean i think we covered it pretty well right at the beginning of the conversation that like it was cool getting to see her do something different out of character mm-hmm. what she usually gets to do and she nailed it like when she's psycho she's kind of she's kind of scary
3: yeah, she does good <laughs> crazy and she was probably really happy to Get something like that she was like oh thank god i'm not the mom in this one like i get to <laughs>
1: yeah she seemed Chief like she was having mom. fun with it
0: yeah oh definitely oh one last thing um the mom <laughs> character like uh, i i have seen video of peter jackson's mom she seems like a sweet nice old lady <laughs> Why does Peter Jackson always, like, draw these, like, crazy caricatures of crazy evil moms?
1: I was going to say she reminds me a lot of the mom from, uh, Braindead. Yeah! Exactly!
3: (laughs) Ooh, I was... Shocked to see you show up in *Heavenly Creatures*. Not shocked like he'd use the same actress, but it was just weird. Like I'm not used to seeing people from really gross cult movies show up in respectable award winning <laughs> dramas. So, and she's the teacher, and that's like, oh my god, it's Lionel's mom. Anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, that reminds me too. I noticed this maybe for the first time. I gotta find her name. Give me a minute. Um, from *Heavenly Creatures*, Caryn um, well, Winslet. No, the other one. The other one. Uh, Melanie, <coughs> excuse me. What's that? Linsky. Linsky. She was she was in Frighteners. Did you guys see her? Nope. No. Yeah, she played one of the she played one of the police officers, and the sheriff told her to go do something. I can't remember the exact scene now. She told her to go do something. And she gets up and 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 walks out of the walks out of the shot. But that was her. I I like saw that. I'm like, oh my god, that's mm. her. You know, and so. You know i guess uh, a little nod to heavenly creatures there
1: maybe that was in the director's cut
0: <laughs> no, i think it was actually to be honest <laughs> okay with you, which is probably why i was paying even more attention to that particular moment but uh and I i love that actress too she's awesome yeah. like I never, put she to- is. I never put together for the longest time that until i saw her in in that xx movie that she was the same actress that it, that it's the same actress from Heavenly Creatures that also played Rose on Two and a Half Men. I like yeah. That still boggles my mind.
3: I like, wasn't she also in that um, I don't, don't feel, feel at home in this, this world anymore? anymore. Yeah. So
4: good That's what I was
0: about to say. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Maybe that was the She's one I...
3: the lead in that.
0: Oh, yeah, that was such a good movie. So good. Okay, so, yeah... Okay, let's move on now from Heavenly Creature. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Fright Nurse, damn it. See? <laughs>
1: damn it. Peter Jackson, let's move on from Peter Jackson.
0: <laughs> yeah. Get out of the Peter Jackson love fest and move on. Get back to talking about D. Wallace. So, um, so uh, what's next, Terry? What, uh, what's the next one we should talk about?
1: Um, how about the Howling
0: yes yeah okay i have a question i'll, I'll let you uh, some, um you know cover the plot here in a second terry but i do have an opening question for everybody american war for london or howling why do you I have was prepared to, for that why do you have to do that <laughs> well since brian you saw it coming why don't you uh, go
3: first this one came howling first. all the way
0: nice interesting yeah okay uh terry what about you
1: um, I don't feel like I can fairly say cuz it's been so long since I've seen American Werewolf. Okay. And this was my first viewing of The Howling ever. Oh, really?
0: Okay, interesting. Okay. So this will be interesting to hear what you think of the movie, but Jason Two you- words. But Rob Botine.
4: Mhm. So you're Howling too, huh? I I lean towards it. I mean, I love the dark comedy of American Werewolf. And this has got some too, and, uh, but I it's, love Landis. But yeah. I saw this one first, and I've always loved this movie. I,
0: yeah, I, I've gone back and forth over the years, and I feel like maybe after this last viewing, I gravitate a little more towards American Werewolf, because on a comedy level, because like I always knew Howling had some of the dark comedy too, but especially nowadays, knowing. Um, joe dante's Dope. body of work dante this yeah. is like a dark film for him yep. um but uh but you know if i were to compare werewolves i, I will i will pick howling any uh, over american Werewolf any day give me a werewolf on two legs over four that's yep. always going to be my vote
3: one of the points i was going to make but we can get into the, that oh. a little later too <laughs> oh, all right sorry so terry, no, tell, no, no.
0: terry tell us about the howling
1: Alright, well... Um, D. Wallace plays a, a news anchor, and she is, I guess, going to be like an investigative reporter and meet up with this alleged serial killer. Um, I can't remember what they called him, like the Mangler or something. That's the Robert... <laughs> Never mind. Um, and then... During her meetup, he ends up getting shot in front of her while they're in, like, a weird porn room at <laughs> a gross shop. And she has major PTSD. So they send her off to, like, this remote um, resort to recuperate. And... Spoiler alert! It ends up being a big coven group, whatever. What? Uh, It's not coven's not the right word, but a big Ah,
2: uh, pack. Thank you. you (laughs) I was like, what the
1: fuck's the word for werewolves? A pack of werewolves. Um, and shit ensues.
3: (laughs) Shit everywhere. So, so, this was your first viewing. Uh, what yeah. did you think? It was I've awesome. Been, I've been excited to hear your thoughts on this since I knew it was your first time.
1: Yeah, it's one that I've meant to watch forever and ever and ever. Um, so, it was good to... I don't know how I haven't watched it throughout the course of doing this show, but... Um, yeah, no, it was great. Uh, D Wallace is great in it. Um, again another slightly different role Than we're accustomed To seeing her in um, Supporting cast Was great uh, Yeah I don't know I just like the general feel of it I guess I didn't realize it was a Joe Dante movie Before Going into it and that made me more Excited as I started watching it, it Like why the fuck haven't I watched this <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I loved it though. I, I really, I love the uh, ending. Not to skip ahead, but. Um, it's
4: powerful. It's
1: good. Yeah. With her, yeah, being. transforming live on air and then getting shot. And I love the guy at the bar who's just like. She turned into a werewolf and they killed her.
0: <laughs>
1: <Thank> <laughs>
0: you mean when she turned into a were hamster? But what was. <laughs> Cool. I always thought she looked like a
1: yeah. but <laughs> That I that was the one thing that I'm like, what the? She's like the lamest looking werewolf ever. But
3: <laughs> I think it's because she used like she's a nice lady.
4: Yeah, they she's
1: wanted not to make
3: like her a feral monstrous yeah, yeah. person because all the people at the the colony are you know as you know they they embrace their monster side. Yeah. But you know she's trying to fight it, so she turns into a cute puppy instead. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, and that was another thing that I was trying to be forgiving of because I know that when this movie came out that the effects were probably, like, the best thing anyone had ever seen ever.
4: Yeah. The first and, time, yeah.
1: The but transformation scene, though, seemed so long. Oh, my God. But like, I was just like, yeah. that's fine because this was cool shit back then. And it's still cool, but let's let's carry on can we (laughs) like that yeah the one where what's the guy's name eddie eddie quist right when he's in the office with the friend or whatever and he transforms the first full transformation (coughs) a little long-winded but still cool eddie
0: played by robert picardo with hair with yeah Lots lots of hair
3: one of joe's regular players
0: yeah between him and dick miller like <laughs> <clears throat> uh i think they both have been in every joe dante movie
3: and i think they missed a trick because the movie was written by the mighty john sales one yeah. of the greatest screenwriters to ever pick up a pen or sit in front of a typewriter that dude's like six and a half feet tall. <laughs> yeah. And and he does some acting too. They should have slapped the werewolf suit on him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in it. It was cute. it was cool. Well and and again, yeah, how cool are those werewolves, man. Like that scene when um when Eddie turns into the werewolf and is like, you know, chasing down Terry in the in that in that little office or whatever. And he's just like towering oh he's just, just like... that
4: scene where it starts with like she's fucking around the filing cabinet and it's there's no music it's normal it's fine and a fucking hand grabs the folder and you're like fuck yeah holy shit look <laughs> out that was scary as shit i love that the way that scene started yeah giant towering the giant fucking head with the ears and the snout oh so so good
3: I think that's a good spot for us to talk about the werewolves. Okay. Themselves, yeah. not just the movie. It's a neat little segue. Um, as as Mike said, give me a bipedal werewolf any day. And this is the first movie where you see... No, it's not the first movie of the bipedal werewolf, obviously. Right. That was actually not even the Wolfman. It was Werewolf of London. It came out like a year or two before the Wolfman, but that doesn't matter. But at the same time, it isn't just... The, you know, guy in jeans and a t-shirt with some fur glue to his face Lon Chaney Jr. style, and I'm not knocking the Jack Pierce makeup because that was way cool, but this is the first time you get a bipedal werewolf that is a full blown monster. Yeah. Like, the head looks like a wolf. It's a creature suit because they just didn't have the technology for that before. So, you know, Rob Bottin changed the game when he created these werewolves. And yeah, everyone talks about Rick Baker's um, transformation scene because yeah, okay, his mm-hmm. transformation is a little better. You know, he had, he had more money yeah. to do that and stuff. But as far as designing the werewolf, he still went with the much more standard quadruped wolf. Now it's still clearly a monster because it's way bigger than any regular wolf, and it looks scarier. It looks like oh yeah, you know, it looks like a dire wolf. It looks like something prehistoric. Yeah, but it's a four-legged creature. And in the novel that this is based on, because this comes from a really trashy shit paperback, also called The Howling, by a guy named Gary Brandner. And in the novel, they are very specifically said to just turn into wolves. Like, they they don't turn into monsters, not even like an American werewolf, like abnormally big wolf. They're just wolves, and that's it. So Mm -hmm. that was one of the big changes they made. And the plot differs a little. They change some of the characters around, you know, condense a couple of extra characters into one kind of thing, just streamlining it for a script. But the biggest change, for sure, is making these wolves the monsters that they're, you know, the big, towering beasts. And then in the later, because there are three Howling novels, and they don't really get any better. (laughs) (laughs) But by the third one, Gary Brandner has. It, it, like the movies start influencing the novels, and he completely retcons his werewolf mythology to make them the big hulking bipedal monsters that they are in the first movie. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the howling. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. But uh,
0: am I alone thinking like the, again? I'll repeat what I said before about how you know being a fan of Joe Dante and his entire body of work. Like, this is probably his darkest film. At this point, for sure. Well, he just did Piranha. I feel right like right Piranha's had this. more levity in it than this, though, yeah. too.
4: I remember that scaring the shit out of me.
0: I mean, granted, Piranha and Howling is definitely way more serious taken than, say, Gremlins, or even especially Gremlins 2, um, or even his segment in um the Twilight-, Twilight Zone movie, but... Uh, um you know I guess is everything after these two movies uh had a lot more cartoon base to it but even in howling i guess does a little bit there's that juxtaposition of like you know werewolf the werewolf chasing down belinda in that room with uh um the werewolf the the big bad wolf cartoon on the television in the background <clears throat> Yeah, there was a lot of cool, subtle, werewolf stuff in the background of the movie. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not saying there's no humor in there. There's obviously some some yeah. humor in this, but uh,
1: yeah, I agree. Though it's way darker than you're used to seeing Joe Dante's movie movies mm-hmm. for sure.
0: And but that's cool. But cast alone, you could tell it's a Joe Dante movie. <laughs> you got, uh, I mean, it's it's got. A lot of his regulars: um, Belinda um, Belaski, Kevin McCarthy. Um, you know, you know. We mentioned Robert uh, Picardo, and of course, wouldn't be a Joe Dante movie without Dick Miller. But in this one, he's playing. Yep, he's playing um, Walter Paisley. Walter Paisley, but not really Walter Paisley. No, not Bucket of Blood. Walter Paisley. He's so good in that scene. Oh, I know.
4: Again, steals
0: the goddamn show.
4: He says it's his favorite performance. Was this his
0: performance in this movie? And did you, I'm assuming, you all caught the Forrest Jackerman cameo in that scene? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Holding his famous Monsters magazine. Exactly. If you don't know what Forrest G. Ackerman looks like, you still know it's him. Because he's carrying around his... Sp- How many movies has he been in where it's like, I'll be in your movie, but uh, I have to be holding a copy of my magazine? um and us also it's has crazy and corman has a corman beginning. cameo yeah at the phone booth a little
4: inside joke with them they said was to them it's funny because he's digging around for change because he's so cheap that's why they did <laughs> <That's>, that
3: <laughs> i love that cameo yeah. <laughs> and he gets another one in uh looney tunes back in action too
0: does he i need to go watch that again mm-hmm. too. And, and i'm
3: pretty sure it's another joke about him being cheap too it's it's been a while since i've seen it but i seem to remember there's some that's pretty cool something along those lines
0: yeah i'm so glad to to know that there is another adult on this in this world that likes that matt looney tunes back in action movie
3: Uh, yeah i baffles me that people don't like it it's fantastic
0: it's great well i mean it's looney i've I've always been a looney tunes guy i love looney tunes Mm. i'll take looney tunes over classic disney characters any day give me bugs over mickey any day um you know i grew up on those cartoons like watching the floppy show on channel 13 but uh (laughs) uh and then and then it's joe dante directing it who's like you can't find a better person to direct a a, you know cartoon movie where cartoons interact with live action um but then it also has steve martin in it and i'm Mm. a huge steve martin fan and for what this movie is my god steve martin gives like a two thousand percent performance in it don't you think yeah like he is and 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 this is the steve martin era where he doesn't have he doesn't do that anymore you know this is like jerk level performance from him in this movie when he is in the age of making you know father of the bride and stuff <laughs> like that so it's so cool to see him like cut loose and be crazy be again. the old steve martin
3: mm-hmm. plus it's got a dalek in it i about crapped myself <laughs> in the theater when i saw that
4: <laughs> yeah what's what's that mike it's from doctor who oh i didn't even know what he
3: meant Okay. Among I was going to Google other, it. Oh, okay. Among several
1: other
3: uh, icons of science fiction.
4: The, the phone booth. That's a it. thing it. with
3: what?
0: It's
4: got rope. I Role. was going to
1: say. Go ahead. No, I'm good.
0: No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Doctor Who?
4: I still haven't seen it. I feel bad. I want to see it. I've other got iTunes. it. iTunes, DVD. Do you? Cool. TV, what?
0: Yeah, I know. Do you? I don't think it's been on Blu-ray. Bullshit. Artist. What else? What else about The Howling?
3: Great score. little Pino de Nagio action there. Yeah. Not only does it have your standard uh, Joe Dante cast of regulars, he got to have some fun casting the uh, other werewolves at the colony as well. And uh, in amongst oh, them yeah. are Slim. Slim, Slim Pickens, Pickens in there. Yeah, that was awesome. And my personal favorite, John Carradine. Oh yeah, He's the yeah. old man who does not want to be a werewolf anymore. And How just great wants is he? To end it all, yeah.
4: He's uh, so old at this point, but he just he still brings it home. It's awesome. Mm
3: hmm. Yeah, at, at this stage he was basically a skeleton covered in arthritis. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he only had a couple of years left in him at this point It's just seeing him up and walking around was quite something because yeah. towards you know, the last couple of movies he did he had to be either sitting or in bed all the time because he couldn't even move So th- this might have been his last ambulatory role
0: huh. yeah he was great I've just always found it fascinating with parallels between this movie and American Werewolf same year uh, same year Yeah, how crazy and lone that that happened. The directors are friends. Yeah, the the head of special effects people on both are friends. Actually, have worked together on several projects, and I think, and I've heard stories that you know Rob Bottin helped out on American Werewolf, and Rick Baker helped out on Howling at, at certain points. Um, but then like, also both of them feature porn theaters. What's up with that? <laughs> I think you know. Yeah, I do. And it's it, and it always it always boggles my mind too, and how many sequels this film has gotten that none of them are connected to the original, and none of them are good. good. Not really,
3: <laughs> Al. That's not true. The second one is connected to the original. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's called Your Sister Is a Werewolf. Or Oh, yeah. Because it's about oh, yeah. Karen's brother. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They uh, even, you know, Christopher Lee shows him, shows Reb Brown. Oh my God, Christopher Lee and Reb Brown are in a movie <laughs> together. Christopher <laughs> Lee even shows Reb Brown the video footage of Karen turning on television. Except it's a completely, de- like, they don't even have the footage from <laughs> They just redo it with a shittier werewolf makeup. And Oh, uh, okay. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna assume Terry hasn't seen this one, but no. have have you two seen Howling? Two have you seen all the other Howlings?
0: I think I have. I think I have. I. The only ones that that stand out in my mind is Freaks, it's actually I actually
3: enjoyed that is, one. Oh, see, I I don't like that one. Well, and that one is actually but, based on the third novel.
0: But that one I enjoyed when it first came out you know I bet if I saw it and I think at that point it was like oh finally something different in the Howling series so I think you know the idea of having a vampire versus a werewolf thing you know even though they don't really do much but um,
3: you you never get a full on werewolf
0: no no just get some And I remember, like, I think I probably liked the concept more
4: than the actual movie. But I remember liking part four because I saw it when it came out, and I. But my my child brain doesn't remember it, and I sure as hell ain't going to go back and try and watch it because I don't want to ruin it. I just want to just.
3: Four is very Italian. I I believe it was an Italian production, or at least a co-production. And plot-wise, it's actually much closer to the first novel than the original movie is. It's not very good, but there's a really cool transformation scene where the main werewolf melts into a puddle of glop, and then the wolf skeleton stands up out of the glop. He just kind of, you know, the werewolf stands up out of the glop. So it's a pretty novel transformation, but the movie's not very good otherwise. I was going to say Part 7 was my favorite. (laughs) the the one that my buddy Chad Piembeck calls honky-tonk Armageddon oh it's
4: so fucking bad (laughs) because it's like
3: 80% line dancing
4: yep Yep. yep. we just watched the Joe Bob Briggs cut out version of yeah it over and over and it's so funny that's the way to do it yeah
3: I, I genuinely like the first three for varying reasons after that they're just diminishing returns oh yeah um the third one, the marsupials, where it's uh, like uh, I'm drawing a blank on what the animal is called, but they're not—they're like where something else, like where not Tasmanian devils, but something there's some sort of marsupial creature for uh, Australia that that are the werewolves, and then there are also some. There's like a ballerina werewolf, and there's sort of a movie within a movie thing going on. It's it's kind of a neat little flick. But the second one is just fucking nuts, because it was originally a script for a vampire movie that got, like, nobody wanted it, so they reworked it into (laughs) a werewolf movie that nobody wanted, so they made it a Howling sequel to try to sell it, and then they didn't have any money for a werewolf, so they wound up borrowing a bunch of costumes from one of the later Planet of the Apes sequels (laughs) and putting fangs on them.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that, yeah. Yeah, I know at one time I've watched them all but I think, you know, like I only remember things from Freaks and of course I remember a good chunk of Marsupials um, because, you know, hey, it's it's Marsupials, right? It's That's kind of like the standout one out of the whole franchise, so for various reasons. Oh, those big green pupils. Yeah, we're looking at pictures right now from the movie sorry distracted
3: (laughs) that's good radio
0: (laughs) all right then fine let's move on um so brian why don't you uh uh, take us into our last movie
3: all right uh the one i am least familiar with sure uh (laughs) the last one is popcorn and uh it's it's about a theater class who decides that they are going to uh, raise money for their their impoverished drama club by having an all-night horror-thon in, uh, in the an old theater there in their town. And Dee Wallace is the the mom, of course she is, <laughs> of, uh, of Maggie, the lead character, played by uh, Jill Sholin, Mike's 80s girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> and um, it, as it turns out, this theater was the site of uh, some sort of like if Charles Manson was a film nerd type cult murders yep. and and a, and a great big fire uh, like twenty some years previous. And as they're hosting this all night horrorthon, in which somehow. They, okay, so they're they're doing this to raise money, right? But they're doing these old, like, William Castle-type movies. Movies that aren't, aren't real movies. They're invented for this, but, like, there's a killer mosquito one. Yeah. Um, and uh, a movie called Attack of the Amazing Electrified Man, which is, is kind of a nod to the old, like, uh, Rondo Hatton, you know, the brute man-type, like, experiments make a super-powered killer movies from the 40s. And then... Uh, oh, the, the last one, I've drawn a blank on the title, but it's a Japanese movie. The Stench. Um, the, the Stench, stench. That's, which, which is meant to kind of uh, cash in on the human vapor and the H-Man, if you guys have ever seen those. A uh, couple old Toho movies from the 50s. And um, each one of them, when they were released, had some sort of William Castle, Emergo, Percepto-type gimmick. So they, they've managed to find prints of all these super rare old movies restore them, rent this massive theater out, hire a, hire a band, and then get a hold of the, uh, presumably now collectible, because these movies are like 30 years old, uh, gimmicks that they used in the theaters and refurbish them to actually work again.
4: So but, cool, you know, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, but where are they raising their funds from? <laughs> it sounds like they spent all their fucking funds to throw this party. But anyway, throughout the course of the, uh, the, the horror thon, um, murders start happening, and it turns out that perhaps the leader of that cult is not quite as dead as everyone seems to think.
4: <laughs> uh, uh, the,
2: possess, the Possessor.
3: <laughs> Which, now, the Possessor. Which is now, the three movies they show in the horror thon are like old you know 50s style monster movies the possessor looks like something that fucking andy milligan would have made <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> there you go if andy Mill- if andy milligan uh, or wait if andy warhol made movies like andy milligan and then um acted like charles manson that would be yeah. this guy yeah. there you go the possessor uh well like before you before you tear it apart i recognize especially this last viewing that there are um some major plot holes but i don't care man i freaking love this movie and i've always loved this movie so it may be a nostalgia thing for me but i can but i can defend in various various forms and why i like this movie
3: um and i
0: can get into that but uh
3: now here's the interesting twist in the show ladies and gentlemen I don't hate this one. <laughs> Whoa! yeah! Oh, <yay>. Hallelujah! <laughs> now...
4: Three for three. That's maybe never happened I,
3: before. Well, I mean, The Frighteners <laughs> is great. It's a Peter Jackson movie. The Howling is legit my favorite werewolf movie ever, period. And...
4: So, so if one was going to happen, it was going to be this one.
3: Yeah. And now, I knew that you guys love this movie because you've talked about it before. And I had only seen it once before, you know, multiple years ago. And I remember not liking it. And after the fucking debacle that was frailty last episode, I was really, like, I didn't, I was going to, like, finish the first two movies and then just, like, click out of the Skype call. Like, fuck it, I don't even want to do this. <laughs> but on this most, the, the second viewing of it for the show, I, I found myself a lot more favorably disposed toward it. Um I don't know if I was like, I could have possibly been watching it with people and we talked over the part that explained who the killer was at the end, Mm -hmm. but I remember being kind of pissed, like thinking that didn't make any sense, which it totally does, I just missed the part where he explained it, I guess, and my biggest gripe is, although their heart is in the right place, and it's fantastic to make homages to old movies that I love, because they clearly love that type of, you know, the, the mosquito monster, you know, the Universal Atomic Bug movies and stuff like that. And shit, at this point in time, doing a, a spoof on mid-50s Japanese science fiction movies that weren't Godzilla. Like, n- who the fuck had seen The H-Man or The Human Vapor <laughs> at this point? Hell, yeah. I still haven't even been able to fi- find a copy of The Human Vapor to watch. <laughs> that, like, it just doesn't fucking exist anymore unless you can dig around on the internet. But, um, you know, those things just were not readily available if they weren't kaiju movies. So that's a deep cut. Like, this was made with love. It's just that they're a little too over-the-top the, and the movies within
0: uh, the movies are too over the top?
3: Yes. Okay, like okay. They, they go a little too far with how silly the movies are. They don't go too far with the gimmicks. Although I kind of doubt... like That mosquito puppet is pretty elaborate. I don't think yeah. William Castle afforded anything. Like <laughs> <that. laughs> no, nope. he, he, he just swung plastic skeletons out over the audience and electrified their seats, which that was a nice little homage to, that they had the seat buzzers. But... And I I actually have the same problem with Joe Dante's matinee. Matt, oh. the movie within the movie, is too silly. Okay. Like, yes, those old movies were cheesy, but I think people's, you know, if you've watched them when you were a kid and you haven't seen them a while, your perception is colored with how ridiculous they are, and they're they're a lot more down-to-earth most of the time. Than the ones that are shown to be in this, especially the mosquito one. Just it's like when the when the proboscis goes through the roof and into the guy's head and sucks all the like his head <laughs> just compacts <laughs> like a beer can. Like that's a great gag. It looks cool, but that never would have fucking happened.
4: Oh yeah, to me they were they were all clearly over the top in a ways, or like the uh, the last one where the the two kiss and the guy turns to the camera and says this thing. I'm like, that's incredibly cheesy but i like it. Two yeah. over, like two yeah. like 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 that wouldn't have been the, the actual, actual movie well, yeah. that, sure.
3: that little line about when when that uh, army guy says i quote some bible verse and i'm drawing a blank on mm-hmm. what it was like man they did love doing that like when he tampered in god's domain you know, <laughs> yeah. graves type of thing or yeah. uh, at the end of ega when when Archall Senior says, and there were giants in the earth in those days. Like that explains why there's a fucking caveman in California in 1962.
0: But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my I think uh, my favorite line in um, *Mosquito* is when when uh, when the woman asks the guy, "Is there a, is there a Mrs. So and So?" and he and he's like, "Yeah, there is. She's back in Missouri making apple pies." And I call her mom.
4: Yeah, <laughs> like that. Was, like, that's some Ed Wood
3: shit going on right there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so overall, I like I said, I like this one a lot better the second time around. And um, the guy, the uh, what's the killer's name? Toby. 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 Yeah, Tom Villard. Yeah, I. When he goes full Freddy Krueger at the, or I guess I should say, Phantom of the Opera yeah. uh-huh. at the end there, um, I thought they switched actors because of the guy's voice when he's doing like the full-on crazy. Holy shit, he sounds like Matt Frewer.
4: Mm, okay, yeah, he really turns it up and gets.
3: And his... I, th- I thought they had ch- like I had to look it up to make sure it was the same guy still playing I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah. yeah, he just sounds like Matt Frewer, I guess.
0: And and he's one of the reasons why I love this movie. Because I, I, I've always been a fan of Tom Villard as well. Like, One Crazy Summer. Yeah. He's awesome one in that. Crazy Summer. Um, it's, you know, so sad he died so soon. But, uh, um... But this is one of my favorite movies of his because again, it's like when we talked about with D. Wallace and, and the Frighteners. You know, Tom Villard was always like the tall, lanky, dorky, Movie, fun, yeah. lo- fun, lovable character. Yeah. Uh, everybody just, oh, he's so great. And that's why he was great. Misdirection in this one. Yeah, and so he, and again, yeah, Misdirection, and he's the freaking villain. And when he goes psycho, he does it. He does good. Yeah. He does really good as as crazy guy. So. Yeah, so he's one of the one of the um, bigger reasons that I love this movie. Um, I mean, I've got many, many more, but I, <laughs> I want to uh, I want to hear what Terry thinks of popcorn. Yeah, she hasn't said anything, so Uh-oh.
4: it was
1: alright.
0: Okay, I feel like uh, you guys tried to make me watch this one time, and I fell asleep. Oh, that's right, you did fall asleep. <laughs> oh.
1: But I made it through this time. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, it's fun. I mean, there's definitely, it's a bit cheesy at times. and It's early 90s, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure.
3: Absolutely. But
1: I think, I think I'm just like, if I ever would own my own theater, like I would want to do like these cheesy gags right? that they're doing that yeah. they can't possibly have the resources for no. with no uh-uh. money. But, <laughs> um, but, you know. It's just awesome, like a four D theater. It's like the early four D theaters that they do now, like at Disney all the time and things like that. But, um, Yanos yeah, is fine. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough Dee Wallace. Yeah, like she's really she goes away for a while. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I kind of feel yeah. like I cheated on this one. So yeah.
1: yeah. Um. But, I mean, it it was okay. I'm not really... I know that she's, like, your girlfriend, but I'm not really a (laughs) huge fan of the the lead actress in this. She's not the best ever. Um, Whoa, that's
4: Mike's girlfriend you're talking about.
1: Sorry, sorry. But I do like um, the Toby guy. I thought he was annoying early on, but I really did like his performance later. Um... Especially when he's got, like, his face, like, flapping <laughs> on the sides. With, like, his ears hanging out.
4: Yeah. Makeup, <laughs> yeah.
1: But, yeah, no, it was alright. Not too bad. Cool. I thought. I guess I thought that the, um... I don't know, the whole premise of how, oh, it wasn't really her dad or the killer guy was another person who survived the fire and is badly burned. And it was a bit too many loopholes. I think it seemed a little stretched maybe the story in general, but.
0: Oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Cause watching it this, this last time, I definitely um, picked up on a lot more. Than I have the thousands other times I've watched it, but yeah.
1: Uh, um, yeah. Well, you're being more critical of it, knowing that you're watching it for the show, and
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Then uh, you would normally be just having fun. I with only it. had
4: one. That's I only funny. had one bad thing, and that was uh, I know now that a band cannot play without electricity.
0: Yeah, and well, then yeah,
4: that's a, a band plays that's without that's, electricity.
1: It's a reggae yeah. band. uh, Like, it'd be one thing if they were playing acoustic instruments, but they were not.
0: They were, definitely not. Well, if you notice, too, in that same scene, there's spotlights going on. Oh, I know. Where are the fucking spotlights coming from when there's no electricity? I just was like, you guys.
4: (laughs) you trying to trick everybody. That's movie magic. Uh,
3: (laughs) Thinking of the band, that was another point of contention in my first viewing of this, which... I guess I must have just been in a really good mood when I was watching this movie. Can't think why that would be. But um, I, big surprise here, do not like reggae music at all. Huh. Probably one of my least favorite types of music ever.
4: But and at least the they, song went on for like 10 minutes.
3: <laughs> but here's the like the and My biggest problem with it, though, was they cover a song that I really love, Saturday Night at the Movies, which was originally uh, recorded in 1964 by the Drifters. And that original version of that song is a great tune. So when I heard the reggae version, I was like,
4: what the fuck? (laughs) He's like, oh, no, now I like reggae.
3: That's why. (laughs) But, but then this time around it's like you know this isn't so bad like right. I guess there is one reggae song in the world that I can listen to and not want to punch someone in the dick
0: <laughs>
3: I shot three the episodes baby. of dick violence now
0: um Trent well and I think if I remember I'm trying to remember where the movie was shot I think it was like shot in I want to say the Bahamas but I have a feeling it's going to be it would be extremely racist of me to say that <laughs> but i always felt like the reggae was out of place in this movie personally yep. and yeah. but then when you found out where it was shot i'm like okay well it kind of makes more sense um, but yeah just like uh, you know california college students like are really into canada. reggae it was shot in canada toronto ontario yeah see, well, i you told know, you reggae like is huge in canada
1: that early 90s era there was a lot of you know reggae became kind of popular again and then there was a big Rastafarian movement, and like all of that was kind of coming back in the early '90s, so that could explain it as well.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that could be. It could be. So, m- did you? What? My
4: only, my second gripe. My um, only second gripe. I you only have one. I have this one's like point five, and it's not a real one. It's well. So phonetically, the name is cool, Pop but art? no. Oh. the name of the bad guy his name's lanyard lanyard gates lanyard
0: that's not a name that's, oh okay that's not
4: no. well, it's a necklace that's be right some, that's some not a person some name.
0: douchey 60s guy who runs a cult and makes movies would probably call himself lanyard yeah no that yeah. makes sense totally <laughs>
4: i just was like every time they would try to say it all scary and stuff i'm like you're saying lanyard
0: What? anyway sorry <laughs> what's that around your neck Oh no oh. Sorry. What were you it's doing? my Sorry. Lanyard Gates. Um <laughs> So like here so watching this this last time, here's here's my cons, okay? Yes. Oh, God. The reggae band had playing well, during the blackout, oh yeah, that always bothered me too. Yeah. Um this for some reason this this moment really bugged me this time when um Since this movie's about Dee Wallace, I should probably talk about her for a second. So when Dee Wallace shows up at the theater with her gun to take out Lanyard Gates, um, and the letters start popping off of the marquee, and then... And then in Ghost Letters, Possessor the pops The Ghost up Letters on there. were terrible. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, Ghost Letters were bad. I get it that Toby dabbles in special effects, and I can maybe forgive everything that's going on when she goes inside the theater, but there's no way he could rig those no. letters to pop off and then Ghost Letters to appear on top no. of the marquee. No. Like, what the fuck was the point was of cut, any of that, that moment? Cut that out. That was dumb 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 so yes i understand there's like plot holes in this movie you could drive a truck through um but it's just this movie is just a lot of fun man it's just a lot of fun i love the characters i love a lot of the cast except kelly joe Minter, right she needs to uh, go. she was my favorite shut your face <laughs> For those out there who are new to the show, um, Joe or uh, Jason is not a fan of uh, Kelly Joe Minter. She almost ruined summer school for almost me. Almost ruined summer school um, and Elm Street Four, but still,
4: yeah. still not a fan. And of people hers. under the stairs, still not a fan of hers. So she almost ruined this movie.
0: So if there, so if you ever really want to annoy. Jason cast a movie with Martin Short and Kelly Jo Minter. Do it as a buddy cop movie, and he will never go to it. Murder spree. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, beyond her, um, it's also got uh, a bizarre cameo out of left field, out of nowhere, and for no reason, by Ray Walston. Right. Like, Why? Why? was he in this but i don't care it's still ray Walston. i'll i you know he's another guy you could put in any movie even if it's a random scene that doesn't make sense um again i talked about tom villard being a fan of his and i thought his performance was great i i liked the character of mark the, <laughs> the uh Boy. the wannabe boyfriend to uh, to maggie
2: because
0: uh. you know I I like how they take they take the horror movie trope of like the guy hero and turn it around where like he's just a bumbling idiot like he just keeps getting like punched or or beaten up, or falling down, um, even in his saving grace moment when he goes to save the day and goes down the, goes down the Slides wire. Slides down the wire. He even fucks that up. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't even do that right. He's just an idiot, and he just he just makes me laugh through this whole movie, and just his slapstick, you know, idiotness. You know, yeah. um, you know, I just they all those kids could be um borderline annoying but there's something i think charming about all those all those kid characters maybe because they are like film students and yeah. i can relate i love that i love that dialogue in the uh, quote unquote classroom scene yeah right where they're talking get about serious all
4: of a sudden when and
0: when they start just like breaking into like movie banter but yeah. when the guys talking about how like you know you know, Police Academy is better than anything by um, by Bergman, and that whole lot, yeah. bit of dialogue I I think think is hilarious. Police Academy
1: Five specifically.
0: Oh yeah, Police yeah. Academy yeah.
1: Right.
0: Five. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, another con. I guess I could say real quick. Was it just me, or was this entire movie eighty yard? Or maybe was it just certain segments? Because that scene in particular to me really stood out. When they're talking in the classroom, really stood out to me is like, this does not feel naturally recorded audio. Maybe it was just the version that we watched because it wasn't mixed a very tie, good version. But
4: I didn't really didn't stand out to me. I guess, okay, it
0: just much. didn't really feel like it was in the actual environment. Not that it never not matched it. It always matched, but it just didn't really. I don't know. Um, I and you know I. With Matt, you know, I also really like Matinee for the same reason. Also, I like this movie. I love the movies within the movie thing. I know some of it. You know, it would be it would be cooler if they played it a little more straight and tried mm-hmm. to actually convince us as an audience member that these are actually really real lost movies. Um, but uh, I still had fun with them. You know, I think the the satire in those and in um, the ones in uh, Matinee just. Hit a good enough note for me that I still have fun with those, with those moments. Yeah, I, there's, there's like I don't s-
3: totally dislike them. I just would like them to be a little more on the nose and a little less wacky. But I get, yeah. especially in this one, that's what they were going for. Like yeah, because the, the whole tone of the movie is kind of wacky. So
0: yeah, so I agree with you in that regard. But there's also some moments too where I'm like, oh, I don't care about the uh, the serial killer aspect of the story. Go back to the stench. I'm like, I want to see more yeah. of that. You know, get <laughs> right. <good>
4: enough stench.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Um I thought the kills were cool and I also like how a lot of them were tied into the to the William Castle gimmicks that they Nothing. were doing. And yes, I agree, you know, like they put way too much production into putting on this show. Oh, but the montage is so great. That's oh, a great montage. Gosh. <laughs> uh, it's a great classic uh classic nineties montage for <laughs> sure. But uh um so yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of issues. Um you know how how does how does the teacher of this class just happen to know he, I mean the teacher is the one that gives all the exposition about Lanyard Gates. So how how convenient is it that this That's teacher the yeah, and he said it at one point too that he bought into his scene until he actually saw one of his films? That's a direct <laughs> quote. <clears throat> um So the the teacher was familiar with lanyard gates at the same school that the daughter from the fire was at the same school where the crazy kid who got burned up (coughs) also happened to be at so um yeah there's some convenience in some of the story you know so but i again i can forgive it all because it's just a ton of fun
3: the movie's just a ton of fun for me so It's interesting to me that um, in this most recent rewatch, or, well, yeah, I guess it was a rewatch for me, too, but this most recent go-around for the movie, you guys kind of had your rose-colored glasses removed (laughs) and saw more of the flaws, and... Me, Mr. Cranky Fucker who doesn't like anything, <laughs> actually <laughs> liked it more.
0: <laughs> well, it's not gonna ever take away this movie for me, ever. Um, another reason why and more of a behind the scenes reason why I love this movie is that I remember reading about this movie in Fango um back in the day before it came out, and I remember reading on how this was gonna be this was gonna be like another co production of alan Ornsby and bob clark i was gonna say something and this was and this was happening right at the time when i first discovered those alan Ornsby and bob clark films from the 70s that i love so very 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 much Uh, why bob clark is one of my favorite filmmakers even though he didn't make anything good after a christmas story um but like you know children shouldn't play with dead things uh death dream um black christmas black christmas yeah deranged all those all those those four movies are thrown into uh, thrown into a pile for me of like not not that bob clark and alan warrensby worked on all four of them together but uh I, i just group all of them together and so when i heard that this was happening i got really excited um i still to this day don't know exactly what bob clark's connection to this movie is doesn't it say effects in the credits bob clark
4: I thought his I thought his name was in the credits. Oh, I swear. yeah, but I the think opening. it was a different
0: Bob Clark. <coughs> oh, my bad. Um, I think because I think he was producing it, but had his name removed from it is the latest story I've heard. Yeah. Um, but Alan Oransby was set to direct this and got fired three weeks into shooting. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me that I know that for a fact, or at least the the biggest connector for me to tie this into those other films is that Alan Ornsby's son, Ethan Ormsby? is the red-headed kid with the two heads that the, where the head throws up. That's <laughs> yeah. that's Alan Ornsby's
3: son, Ethan. So. That was my favorite movie-goer costume.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely.
3: Well, that's interesting. You just kind of blew my mind a little, because it's been a long time since I've watched Deranged. I didn't realize that was their movie. Yeah, I, I think... I really like that movie, but I oh, didn't yeah. know they had anything to do with it.
0: Alan Ornsby, I think, co-directed it and co-wrote it, Um, and, uh, and Bob Clark, I think, produced it, but again, he thought the subject matter was too dark and had his name removed from it, so, hmm, yeah, and, and another little, uh, super fun trivia fact for, uh, you deranged fans out there, or your Alan Ornsby fans out there, the scene where Ezra Cobb goes and, um, goes to, uh, he has that date with the fat lady or whatever, um... And there's a picture of her dead husband on the mantle. That's Alan Ornsby in Tom Savini makeup. <laughs> and you learn that from Tom Savini's
3: Grand Delusions book. So, I will say the, the atmosphere of popcorn, going back to that for, for just a bit here, the, that song that I was talking about Saturday Night at the Movies is something that uh, my buddy and uh, friend of the show, sometimes guest Tim Lenner, uh, put on several of his mixed CDs that he would hand out at B-Fest. He'd make compilation CDs of, of B-movie themed songs or songs from movies and hand them out. Cool. And the whole vibe of this horror thon night reminds me of B-Fest a lot. Yeah. Like B-Fest is a little more homemade. I mean, there are no big gimmicks that the, that the organizers put on, but people bring their own props and, you know, kind of make their own fun. And, uh, so yeah, just that kind spirit. of idea of everyone yeah. getting getting into the spirit, having a good time with the movies. Yeah. So that that also helps a lot with uh, you know, any of the problems I would have being making me a little more forgiving toward it. Cause it's like I get it. I would I would go to this every single night oh, if they had yeah, one. Night
0: absolutely. Out. <laughs> yes. And that's and that was a thing that always appealed to me of this movie as well. Like that's what makes this movie so fun for me is the environment of the night of the showing at the Dreamland you know and again like i can almost do without the horror movie element of this movie you know just being in that environment was is the so crowd cool. is so great yeah they're so into just, it all oh and all the ri- the riffing that's going on yep. like this 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 movie predates uh, mystery science theater through that well does it
3: no no, no it, it, it does, does not this right. 91 and yep. mst started in 89 88 or 89 i think
0: but it it predates before like the super popularity of MSD 3K. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> but and there's some great riffing that goes on in this. I love that. I love that scene where they're they're watching the possessor. The students are watching possessor and they're just riffing on it the whole time. It's like I can't believe they're gonna dolly up his nose. You know, yep. shit like that. So. The possessor. You said that. <laughs> you said that. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then just everybody showing up in costumes, and man, <clears throat> watching this movie made me want to put on a show like that. And all these years later, we do Halloween palooza <clears throat> Okay. So yeah, so anybody else have anything they want to say about popcorn? Love it. Just like you
4: said, for me, it's such a nostalgia thing. Like I just I, I remember watching this by myself and like Cinemax when I was a little kid. And just being like, and just years went by when I'm like, uh, did I see that? You know, what do I know anyone in the world who's seen this movie? I didn't know, you know. And, and then you met me. It was so good. And <laughs> I just, I know, I always loved it. So, so definitely good. a lot of nostalgia. It definitely makes it easy to overlook a lot of the problems, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's so fun to me.
0: And it's got a release finally on Blu-ray. Synapse, I think, right? Yeah. I just- Damn, I gotta get that Blu ray. Yep. Alright, so cool. Um, what else is. But, uh, you know, we're here to talk about D Wallace. So, what else has D Wallace done? Uh, you know, Terry, why don't you start us off? What other. What are your, some of your favorite D Wallace films?
1: Critters!
0: I should have yeah. known Critters would be number one. Should have <laughs> known.
1: That's the quintessential one. Of hers, well, and I mean ET, but that's not really horror. But
4: yep, monster movie, another <laughs> you
1: know, yeah, sort of alien, aliens stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a scene? Was that was that in Critters where one of the critters like chewed up a ET doll?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, Critters is is awesome. I need to watch it again, too. It's been so long. What else?
4: Kujo, obviously. Cujo. Yeah. She's such a big part of that movie. and
0: Yeah, well, for about <laughs> over half the movie, it's just her and that kid. Yeah. yeah.
4: Stuck yeah. in a car. And she's just out of her mind, awesome.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love Cujo. That was my first Stephen King book. It was—I was, was, you know, when I was real little, I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies, which I remember seeing popcorn VHS cover all the time at the video store, and it kind of creeping me out, thinking, "Oh, that—that's probably really cool," but you know, parents would never let me rent it, kind of thing. So I didn't see it until years later. But um, I somehow convinced my mom to let me buy the book of Cujo. I was like 11 or 12. And because she worked with somebody who read a lot of Stephen King. So she's like, okay, well, let me run it past this person. I know who reads that and make sure it's appropriate for you. Well, the lady said, yeah, it should be okay. Totally fucking wasn't because there's all kinds of shit in there that a fucking 12-year-old kid probably shouldn't read. <laughs> but um, so after I read that, I was like, okay, well, you let me read the book. I know the movie's rated R, but I've already had the book experience, let me rent the movie, so it was the first R-rated movie my mom let me rent. I was so fucking excited. I remember coming home, I put the tape in the VCR, and you get that creepy, like, cloudy, swirling, red blood mist kind of thing that forms the title. I was like, oh my god, this is, just even the title is scary. It's so cool. (laughs) And then the tape Exploded out of the case and strangled my VCR to death.
0: Oh, like no. Two
3: minutes into the fucking movie.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, no.
3: So, not only did it wreck our VCR, which took forever to get a replacement for, it ruined the only copy of Cujo within 50 miles of Mason City, Iowa. No. So, I didn't get mm. to finish watching the goddamn movie for years.
0: Oh, that sucks
3: but that was I mean it it lived up like even years later after all that hype of almost getting to see it and the whole you know the hopes dashed against the rocks of practicality and then I finally saw it like fuck this is still really good (laughs) like it lived (laughs) up to it I love that movie
0: Oh, that's good yeah yep that's definitely a classic a classic uh, D. Wallace Uh, Jason do you have one
4: Oh, uh, uh,
0: well, yeah. Um, that, that was his. I just kind of. He said Cujo. Him. Yeah. I did. Oh, Jason said so Cujo. Oh my God. Of All course. Right. Brian, what about uh? What about he- you? What do you got?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, we already kind of we've covered my three favorite ones. We talked about the howling, yeah. and then Terry said critters. Jason said Cujo, and then I s- stole his thing from him. Um. <laughs> and now I'm drawing a blank.
1: Well. And, like, She's more awesome. recently, like, she did, like, Lords of Salem. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. she was in yep. that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And Impressive. wasn't she in House of the Devil, too?
4: Yep. Yep. No, the first so one. S-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> did
0: you guys see Red Christmas? I was going to ask if anybody's seen yeah. that. Yeah, I did.
3: Oh. Cool. oh. Ah, but- Forgot about that one too. That uh, was good. I that's good.
0: Didn't like it at all. Oh no. Oh, we'll
4: have to save that for a Christmas too episode. Too crazy for me.
3: It didn't. It. I mean, she was great. It, it, it kind of whizzed it down its leg at the end. Like it, 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 it didn't play. I was. I wanted more out of the religious themes. I thought it was just going to go fucking balls deep and tear everything to pieces, and then it didn't do that. Okay, yep.
4: it's clear that RoboCroc is probably her best movie she's ever made. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. She's
1: she's kind of switched to doing a lot of, I mean, a lot of TV appearances and a lot of made-for-TV stuff. It seems like, which is unfortunate because she's still got a lot of a lot of roles left in her. I think.
0: Well, and she's in that Rob Zombie troop too. You know, we mentioned. Oh, sure. We mentioned Lords of Salem. She did a voice and. Um, Super Bistro, or whatever that's called. Um, <laughs> no shit. Yeah. I need to see that again. Halloween. Halloween so yeah. fun. And it, yeah, and she was in the Halloween. Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. So yeah. Um, Still got it. So yeah, so. I. Yeah, I don't think she's, like, stuck doing total garbage, hopefully. But, uh.
1: I think she think. was in an episode of Supernatural she was. that I recall.
0: Yeah, she's done She's done a bit of t- television over the years. That's kind of where she yeah. really got her started. Twilight Zone. Um, sure. Like, no one's mentioned Hills Have Eyes. I think a lot of people forget that's oh. one of her first, one of her oh, earlier yeah. performances. And The Stepford Wives. In The Stepford Wives, yeah, she was in mm-hmm. that. But that was a pretty small part, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't really remember her from she was that.
0: Just a maid, I think. And let's not forget Invisible Mom and Invisible Mom Two. Electric Boogaloo. No. no. What? No one? No love for Invisible Mom? Really? Never saw Never it. saw it. Yeah, me neither. But it's a, but they're Fred Fred Owen Ray movies. Did you ever see um, Alligator Two? No, and I saw yes. that on the list too, and I want—I
3: want to see it. You—you seen it? Oh yeah. Any good? It's—it's it, a—it's a monster movie. The giant alligator, of course. I've seen it. Um, no, it's not <laughs> good at all. Okay. First
4: one's great. I like the. first I, I'd one. I'd completely oh, yeah.
3: forgotten D. Wallace was in it. I just remember Richard Lynch being in it.
0: Oh. Oh, can I go back to Howling for no. one more thing? There's the-
3: always room for more Howling.
0: If I were to say one con of the howling...
3: Oh, no, nope, nope, never mind. You. Yep. Nope. If you're going to say something bad, you can't.
0: <laughs> Dennis Dun- uh, Dug- Dugan. Dugan. Dennis Dugan. I don't mind him as an actor. like He's great as the dad in Can't Buy Me Love. But he, his forte now is directing. And he directs a lot of those Happy Madison films. And, yeah. So he can't be forgiven. A job's a job. Well, it'd be good at your job if you're gonna do it. She was in Abominable. Yes, I don't she, she was that. in that. She was in the opening scene. Ah. Uh, so it's kind of, which is now not Blu-ray. really connected to. Um. Oh, it is. Nice. Yeah. <coughs> I forgot. She was in E. T. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> kinda little part so again not a huge huge horror filmography but I what think is like, there is good exactly enough to cement her oh yeah as like you know in the horror hall of fame in my opinion um absolutely yeah she was on an episode of starsky and hutch okay now you're just randomly saying things yep Okay. i am that's i'm always just rambling that's true randomly saying things okay so let's take a break when we come back it'll be segments time here on attack of the killer podcast
3: good evening it's intermission time our service is friendly and quick you'll find hot dogs hamburgers pizza your favorite candies hot and cold beverages and other delicious snacks so add to your fun of watching the movie visit our refreshment stand right now we're glad to have you with us tonight we hope you'll come to see us often It's great to get out to the movies.
0: We are back, and it's now time for segments. And we're going to start off, as we always do, with a little bit of
3: shout outs. It's time for Shout Shout Outs!
4: Okay, just ask what your favorite D-Wallace movies or movies are. Up first on Facebook, we got Ted Good. He makes Yay, an appearance. Hey, finally made it. He's on the episode. He says, E.T. <laughs> Never heard of it. Nope. <clears throat> Next, we got Nick Leadham says, Either Stepford Wives or The Frighteners. I haven't seen The Frighteners in years, and my guess is it hasn't aged as well, so probably The Stepford Wives. Frighteners is still awesome. Yeah, it is. Andrew Moeller says, Cujo and Critters. Tim Lennerer says, gotta go with the Frighteners because the things you find out about her character play off, the way she was a maternal figure and a protagonist in so many horror science fiction movies of prior decades. I might have read that wrong, I don't know. Andrew Wassum says, E.T. with the Frighteners a close second. Derek John says, by far, The Howling. Ooh. I also love E.T. Uh, Jacob McLaughlin says, I just watched The Frighteners for the first time, and I dug it quite a bit. I'll have to go with that one. Jacob, how it take so long? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Michael Groves says, E.T. Brian McNeil says, Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Billy Martinez says the Lords of Salem. And then our pal Chris Lowry says I- I'm gonna say it wrong. Ila Ayla A-Y-L-A. Okay. He says, such a fantastic film that everyone should rush over to Amazon, Voodoo, iTunes, etc., and rent or buy. He was a producer on the movie. <laughs> 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 That's how. And I've been meaning to check it out. It looks cool. I think, oh, gosh, American Mary girl, that was with Jill's, not oh. your girlfriend one, but the other one.
0: I have a lot of girlfriends. I know a lot of fictional girlfriends. Who's the other one? I'm sad. That was in the movie Jill made. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it Tristan? Tristan Risk. Yeah. She's in it Risk. too.
4: Yeah. So Isla. trailer looked cool. Looks cool. Thanks for helping produce that, Chris. Making movies for the world. Thanks for helping out. Go check it out, everybody. Emily Krause says, The Frighteners. Brian McCann says, Cujo. We'll have to watch Isla Chris Lowry. Yes, you should. Rob Barnes says, Cujo. The Howling and Critters. And John George, yes. This guy I grew up with. He says, Does no one remember a little ditty called Popcorn? Woo-woo! Yeah. We must have watched it on Cinemax at the same time and <laughs> we got duck vorek says et is my all-time favorite movie it's pretty good i watched it again the other day it's still pretty awesome
0: it's been a while i have it on dvd though it's I've on netflix walkie talkie version yeah
4: yeah oh <laughs> the
3: superior version no the special edition version <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh 15% more do-backs.
4: <laughs> uh, Derek Johns is back. He says, if it's not too late, <laughs> did I mention The Howling? You did mention it, and it's not too late. Good job. <laughs> Great movie. Good pick. Bobby Foy says, Hills. All
3: yeah, right. I cannot fucking believe I didn't remember that she was in the- <laughs> I <laughs> was know, that I know. I don't guess. either. That totally would have been my pick. Otherwise, I love that movie. Me yep. too. Alright, over
4: on Twitter, we got Don and Nelly, at Don underscore Nelly. He says, loved her in HHE, Hills Have Eyes, and Critters, and was the best part of the otherwise ordinary Red Christmas. She was the best part.
0: Oh man, I read these earlier, and it wasn't until just now and I couldn't figure out what the hell HHE was.
4: Damn it. <laughs> she also lifened up Lords of Salem and Robocroc. See, told you. So she's one of my favorites for sure. And then over on Instagram, we got Tad Good. He's back.
2: Hey, Ted! He says
4: the skateboard kid too. <laughs> sure. I have a feeling awesome. he's never seen it. <laughs> so
3: he's got time to check all oh. of his social media accounts. Right?
4: Isn't that bullshit? <laughs>
3: Well, he's, maybe
4: he's got one hand free and it's on his phone. Under that all over the on rubble. my Oh,
3: I'm glad you said it's on his phone. <laughs>
4: uh, okay. Now over on MySpace chat <laughs> says, <laughs> Yeah. And then uh we also got Tina Marie. She says ET 1982. Uh Kujo 1983. Uh Kujo scared the shit out of me. When I was a kid and taught me to be wary of around dogs. I also have a general love for anyone who makes an appearance on Supernatural. She says, Mildred Baker was her character name, she believes. Thanks, Tina. And then we have Only Hand Shot, Who, his real name is Volker Rico. Rico. I don't know. He says, Critters, probably the first film I saw her in. The Hills Have Eyes... And, of course, the howling. Her performance in Skateboard Kid 2 was okay, but not sad good. I don't know if that was picking on Tad or not. But remember, you can uh, always call in and leave a voicemail. That's right, a voicemail, and you get your voice heard on the show. Leave your comment of what your favorite D. Wallace movie is. You can just call 415-952-6857, or you can call 415... Five nine five AOTKP and that's shout outs.
3: Nothing on the LinkedIn page, huh?
4: No. None doing that shit. We
3: got enough. <laughs> knock knock.
4: Who's there? Who's there? Cujo. Cujo Cujo, who?
3: Who? Cujo hush up so Mike can do insane picks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, keep that up, man. Yeah. You're going to replace me in writing the intros for the podcast. Oh, God. Because that was awesome, my level of jokes right there, man. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so Insane's Pick for this episode. Uh, this is something I watched recently, and I didn't know. I mean, I knew this is a thing, but I didn't know it was like ever filmed. Um, I'm going to be talking about a uh, stage musical for this episode. Uh, And I'm talking about The Toxic Avenger, the musical. I don't know where this came from. Um, If you could shed some light on that, Jason, because you you found this. I I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this. I found it on... I went... I just mean, like, this isn't like my copy of Evil Dead, the musical, where it's clearly somebody videotaping the performance. This is a... Produced, they filmed this on purpose. There's like multi-camera angles. Um, it's shot beautifully. The audio is spot on. It's as if you're on the stage with the performer.
4: Yeah, I totally uh, bought this copy so, from their website.
0: Well, I, I just didn't know who put this out or what or I if don't this remember. what's that? I don't remember. Okay, but uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah, so uh, wh- wherever this comes from, it uh, it looks amazing it's shot very very well but the but let's get into the uh, actual uh, stage play itself I, I had heard for a long time that Lloyd was trying to to do this musical and then it finally became a reality and I'm like oh my god what is trauma like on stage and and fortunately or unfortunately it's not it's not way over the top trauma um, that uh, we've gotten accustomed to over the past few films it's a little more subdued but still has a lot of a lot of great, um, trauma about it, and a, and a ton of great humor, um, though the amazing part for me is I think I love, I, I'm always fascinated when it comes to, st- um, stage shows, uh, on how, on the sets, and the sets for this movie, or for this musical is awesome, you know, um, a lot of, like, toxic barrels, and, and, you know, and, and stuff like that, and, uh, um, they they make really good use of the stage. There's one at one point these like big, these big looking barrels with like uh, warning signs on them. They open up and on the inside are, are bookshelves with books on them for a scene where that takes place in a library. Now they take some liberties in the um, the storyline from the original. Uh, Melvin is not a janitor in the, in the musical. Um, he's basically an environmentalist activist, but he's still, like, super nerdy, and the other weird part is that he knows Sarah before becoming the Toxic Avenger, and so he's in love with her from the start, but she doesn't notice him because he's nerdy Melvin. I mean, she knows him and stuff, but not as a love interest, because he's just nerdy Melvin. (coughs) But her character is still blind, and I swear, 75% of the jokes in this uh, is in this play is about her being blind. Like tons of pratfalls and just so many blind jokes. It's there's like moments where um, she's doing a, a song number and like Toxie has to interrupt it because she's starting to wander off stage. Um, you know, there's there's moments where she she almost falls off the stage and stagehands have to run out and and. And keep her from falling off stage. You know, tons just way over the top on the blind jokes. And sadly I found each and every one of them absolutely hilarious. Um now the look of Toxie was one of the things I was really anticipating. It was like, how are they gonna pull this off? It's the same actor playing Toxie that plays Melvin. Um so they kind of they put some padding underneath his outfit. It's a bummer because since he's He's no longer a janitor, and he's not humiliated like he is in the original movie when he gets dumped into toxic waste. Bullies just kind of basically push him into toxic waste in the stage show. So he's not wearing a tutu, and there's only one scene with, with the mop. The mop is hardly involved in it as well. Um, his look kind of reminds me may, way more of um, Toxie's look in the Toxic Crusaders cartoon. A lot of green um, a lot, you know, the really bubbly head, but the weirdest part, (coughs) excuse me, that I couldn't get accustomed to throughout this whole thing, is one of his eyes was literally hanging out through the whole show, and not, like, just dangling, it was, like, sticking straight out, um, and, you know, it's just weird, and they had a couple good jokes involving the eye, but, uh, I just could never get over this, the weird choice of this, like, eye that is literally on its veins hanging straight forward out from the socket so um but the performances are great oh my god the most amazing thing about this show is that uh there's a ton of characters in this mu- in this uh, musical but there's only five actors um in the in this show uh there's uh emma salvo plays sarah uh ben irish plays melvin and the toxic avenger uh, Natalie Hope, my favorite uh, actress in the show, uh, played the the mayor of the city and also played Melvin's mom. And there's a hilarious... Knowing this, obviously, you can tell that she's playing both characters. So there's a scene where the mayor has to confront um, oh. and get in a fight with Melvin's mom. So the way they do that is is really, really funny. Because <coughs> it takes place... In the back of this hair salon so she'll run into the back room in one outfit and you'll hear dialogue between them and you're not seeing anything and then she'll come running out in the other outfit have a bit of dialogue then run back there again and this goes on back and forth for a while until she comes out wearing a split outfit where one side is the mayor and the other side is the mom and it's it's hysterical um then there's (coughs) so that's the main cast but then there's, like, two other actors, um, Oscar, um, uh, Mori, and, <coughs> excuse me, Che, uh, che, uh, Francis, um, who basically play two actors that literally play every other character in this show, they play cops, they play, um, they play the bullies in the beginning, uh, one of them plays a doctor, another one plays, like, a like, a, a plant worker, um, and the other one plays like a mafia guy, and each different character that they do is, is show-stealing hilarious and hysterical, so, um, I was a little disappointed in the fact that there was really no gore in this show, when he first becomes toxic Avenger, and he beats up the bullies and kills them, um, you know, he does rip one, one of their, one of the guys' guts out, and rips the other one's arm off, but there's literally no blood involved in any of it. And the show interacts with the front, uh, with the front of the audience a lot during this show. So what a lost opportunity to spray the f- the front of the crowd with blood like an Evil Dead the Musical. You know, you would expect something like that from a stage show based on a on a trauma movie, but you know, no gore really whatsoever. Just a couple of uh, fake arm limbs and some rubbery guts so but not a deal not a uh, deal changer whatsoever this was still a lot of fun i plan on watching it again because uh, it's it's really funny and fun the song yeah. was good the, oh yeah I'm glad, thanks for asking <laughs> <coughs> the music is great i love the songs um the tromaville song is hysterical that's what starts off the uh starts off the show, and yeah, every, every song, every song is great, there's one, one of the, um, one of the actors that play multiple parts throughout this show, uh, comes out on stage dressed like Ted Nugent at one point, and is like, it's like singing some, like, Ba- you know, Toxic Avenger ballad anthem that goes on so long that the mayor has to come out and tell them to shut up and get on with the show. It's it's really funny. So the songs are great. I I, w- I hope there's a soundtrack out there because I want it. Um, so if you get a chance to find you know find this and check it out definitely check it out if you actually get to see it live which i hope to someday as well i i plan on don't totally checking it out this uh this is almost up there on the level of evil dead the musical and evil dead the musical is my favorite stage show hands down so um if you can find it check it out uh the toxic avenger the musical dude
4: how fucking cool is it that Toxie invades another medium i know right how cool it's cool and bizarre right oh yeah that's nuts
0: so yeah that wraps up this episode of attack of the killer podcast thanks everybody for listening um and i want to give a special thanks out there to the uh, patreon supporters out there getting all kinds of great cool content for supporting the show appreciate Um, it a lot yeah we do appreciate it a lot because we are having a lot of fun making all this extra content Yep. if you like what we're doing on this show definitely
4: check out the patreon page doing a lot more stuff over there
0: and also if you like this show check out some of the other shows on the prescribed films podcast network at thepfpn.com um you know, a lot of great shows, much like ours, that you know, you'll find. But not not all just horror movie podcasts, nope. either. So it's, it's a variety of fun stuff. So definitely check it out. Um, so, yeah. So until next time, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast.
4: Oh, no! Could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer
1: Podcast.